Welcome to episode 329 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, Jason Roberts. It is a new decade, a new year. Hey, Jason, how you doing? Good, good. How are your holidays? Wow, pretty cool. Very, yeah. very nice. Any any big uh, events or did you guys go anywhere? Well, I have the golden key. Oh, to the mountain to house. To the mountain house. To the refuge. <laughs> Um, the golden key to the future home of the Cybertruck. Uh-huh. The nice. mountain tr- the f- Cybertruck. But uh, that's... that's it's, it's the mountain house Sands truck, right? There's yeah. no truck yet. Sands it's truck. Just, <laughs> there is a parking space for the truck. How was the holidays for you? Good, good. Um, yeah, I went to Mammoth for a few days. Nice. Snowboarding, skiing. Luckily, I didn't, you know, break my tailbone again. So oh, that was good. A, that was a good, win. Good. Um, that's a mate. That's, yeah, that's that's a difference. Um Let's see what else. Uh, you know, we came back for Christmas here, and then uh, Phil came for a couple days. Yeah, we were meant to do that show with Phil, but it never quite worked out. You know, he just was not feeling it. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, dis- dis- despite being an extrovert, an actor, an improv actor. And a funny guy. And just, a, you know. Just well, a- let's not, let's, let's not <laughs> give him a big head. No, but he, um, he, he isn't the most comfortable sharing uh, information about himself, I think. Yeah, publicly okay. like that. Yeah, and I, you know, it's funny. I think it's probably a lot of people would feel that way. Yeah, I mean, I probably could have pushed him to do it, and I said, "Look, we'll only talk about stories or whatever. Don't." But he, he just wasn't really that into it, so I didn't want to want to force. Yeah, it that's on him. fine. Um, yeah. And he, he, we were all going to try. He wanted to try and get together, but then it was just like the timing was bad. And he, the reason he came in town is, um, I had there was a company, a startup had come to me, and they were looking for somebody a CTO type person and um, the way the person they described is sort of, you know, would have been like Phil. <laughs> so I, so I convinced Phil to fly out and, and meet with them. Um, so we, we didn't have a whole lot of time outside of that. Um, so anyway, I, he was here for a few days and then um, let's see what else went to, uh, went to Vegas, visit the, the in-laws, nice gating, all that kind of stuff. So I want to hear about, the the mountain house are you when are you actually when's your move-in date well like like i said i have the key the move-in date is the move date is jan 11 so basically next saturday next saturday yeah probably just about the time this show will be going out knowing (laughs) knowing the speed of your show note writing (laughs) hey listen i I take the show notes very seriously i you know i want to do just the first three jobs so yeah no rush can't rush perfection so okay, so um, we've been up there a few times since. You know, we've we've got the keys, and you know, we've been up there a few times, and it was beautiful up there in the snow. So, um, now you're how long is the drive? So if you go on a weekend, there's no traffic. How long is it? Takes you, you get what? there in one twenty, hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, and how far are you away from the closest town? So if you need to go to the grocery store, or you need or whatever. What is it? Oh, th- like three minutes oh there is yeah yeah like i mean i think it's between three and five minutes to get to um blue jay which is like right very very close to blue jay is the name of the town yeah so we're in twin peaks but it's just like a few hop hop, skip and a jump over to blue jay and there they have a jensen's which is a really really nice grocery store okay and it's got everything it's great to be honest like so so there's, there's there's a couple of hacks that have already worked out really nicely so um Instead of remember, I was working at the Control Collective, so I, you know, like in Pasadena, like that, oh, that co- the, oh, co-working the space. shared workspace. Yeah, thing. right, right, right. So I found a hack in the mountains to, to sort of counter, 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 
replace that. That's what I'm okay. looking for. Um, so there's a beautiful um, hotel. Okay. And um, it, has, sit in the lobby. it has a really nice gym and it has a lot of cool places to work. And so if you get a gym membership to this hotel, um, it also gives you access to the lake, which is a private lake. So Lake Arrowhead is a private lake. There's okay. no way to get onto it, but this hotel has a little beach. Ah. So with the gym membership, you get access to the beach and the lake. You get access to the whole property where they have things like foosball tables mm -hmm. and um, air hockey. They have a great gym. Mm -hmm. They have like a great changing room that has its own sort of jacuzzi inside the changing room. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of places interest like it's a big property. There's lots of really so nice places to work. So you can actually sit there with your laptop and, and do yeah, stuff. basically work. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's kind of cool, and it's it's a lot less money than Control Collective, and um, you know my my and day you could in theory work out there too. Uh, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> and my day job is paying for it, which is great. You know, and I'm allowed okay. to talk about my day job now. Okay. You know, okay. so um, McDonald's is you signed the contract with McDonald's. So. <laughs> <laughs> so are you starting as a fry cook or are you going to be at the register <laughs> yeah so uh yeah so that so that's pretty cool so that that worked out nicely and then there's like literally a starbucks you know just just like okay, in, so in this jensen's there's a starbucks right. right that right there that does all of our favorite stuff and jensen's itself is like a sort of cross between whole foods and just an, a regular market but it's cheaper than whole foods so that's a win you know okay. even though it's in the mountains um there's a beautiful restaurant right right near where we live. We were we were there um, two nights ago, and it's just just really great. It's actually the best restaurant in the whole area. Okay. Again, about four minutes away from my house. Okay. So I was sort of we just locked out, you know. All right. So that, so the one thing I was thinking about the other day, I was like, can you, well, like Uber Eats and stuff like that? Will they deliver? I mean, if you say I want Chinese or no, Indian food, no, 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 no. I, so. I, I don't think so. Um, but I'll tell you one thing that's really painful. That, like there's, there's, there's obviously problems and adjustments. And one of them is, is that AT, AT and T does not work. So our whole family plan, my mum's on it, George's on it, and I'm on it. We've got three phones on this family plan. Useless. Okay, so what you've switched to Verizon? Switched or? to Verizon. So I've had to go. So I'm going through this whole painful experience of like first of all we like two of the phones were like still being paid off so i had to like pay them off uh, and then you've got to unlock them but then the problem with unlocking them was that my mum's my mum's phone original phone was an iphone 5 but at some point me and georgie upgraded and i gave her my phone mm -hmm. so her old imei number okay. on the, the sim was locked was in her new iPhone 6 that I gave her. So basically it's impossible to unlock. So she's going to have to email, she's going to have to send me the phone and all. It's just like such uh, a pain in the ass. And you uh, hate technology. Yeah, but, but, but Verizon works great up there. Yeah, so, so if that's your biggest problem, that's not a big a problem. I thought you were going to tell me like, oh, we actually don't get Wi-Fi. So for me to get any work done, I have to go to the hotel or no, something. No, no, no. I should, no, there's, there's Spectrum cable up there and it's, it's, it's the exact same cable as that I have at the house. So that's okay. fine. Right. But, but here's a hack for you. So with Jack, he, we've, if he's just on regular YouTube, mm -hmm. he gravitates and finds the worst videos and then walks away like, you know, angry and beating the crap out of everything. Like he's just, he just sort of finds people, he just learns behaviors that are like, you know. Mm -hmm. So you got to try and lock down the good channels because there's so much bad stuff on YouTube. There's like, see what it's like to punch your friend in the face. Right, <laughs> you know, right, Stuff right. like that, right? So basically, um, on the phones, we've got him, he's completely locked down. It's great. It's all just good stuff. But on 
any of these smart TVs and Amazon Fire Stick, there's no YouTube kids. No there's no control. way of locking it yeah. down. But what we've realized is, is that we could just not have YouTube, not have anything on those TVs and just have a DVD player. Okay. With DVDs. <laughs> so if he wants to watch YouTube, then he has to use what? He yeah. has to use he has to use a phone. But if he but if he's using TVs, all the TVs in the house are going to be completely disconnected from Hulu, from anything like that. And it's just going to be a collection of DVDs. So or he can watch it on a computer. I guess. So we're rewinding. We're rewinding. Uh, and I've just bought like 20 DVDs of super cool stuff like number blocks and Daniel Tiger and all. The question just, is, does he think they're super cool? Well, he does because we sold it to him that way. We basically said, hey, we've got this amazing new way of watching TV. And he's like, what is it? And I showed him, like, laid out the 20 DVDs. And he's like, oh, my God. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> Good thing he's five. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> I'm not sure, like, a seven-year-old would uh, I know, fall for that. Right, right, yeah. So, basically, and then and then we're just going to say, look, oh, sorry. that We couldn't connect the Wi-Fi to the TVs. So, the only way of, like, watching TV is through the DVDs. Right. You okay. know? And it's fun to build up a DVD library. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, you're going to be working on your vinyl collection. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but um, yeah, but the the Wi-Fi is is going to be is going to be pretty good. Okay. So, are there any other? What what are the other major compromises or sacrifices that you? Well, obviously the commute. You know. Well, what are you commuting for? Well, so Jack is still going to preschool here. So three days a week, Georgie will be. Um, so. Of, of those three days, I'll be commuting one. Georgie will be doing three days. And I think she'll also be doing another day um, per week for, to, to see her clients. Her so she's going to come down four days a four week? Four days a week, yeah. So she's going to spend three hours a day in the car on those days? Well, she's kind of used to it. That She did that with Orange. Like So when, when she used to live in Orange County, it was, it was um, between 45 and an hour. Like if there was traffic, it was an hour and a half, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so she, and you know, she worked at Loma Linda University commuting from Pasadena to Loma Linda, which again, a lot of times it would take an hour and a half to get there because of just traffic. Mm -hmm. So um, the key is, is to go early enough. And to so come if you do an hour and 20 minutes, that's no traffic. So if you hit traffic, yeah. it could be two hours. It could be, or more. yeah, it could be bad. Yeah. But, but she's going to be doing that until she doesn't have to, like, there's going to be a point where uh, we're going to move Jack out of that preschool, and then I think we'll be doing homeschooling. Um, That's starting next year. Yeah, so we're going to finish the year, academic yeah. year. Yeah, but he's still going to come down to Pasadena Homeschooling Enrichment Program, where he hangs out with other kids two times a week. So she's definitely going to be doing three three days a week commute. Wow. You know, ongoing. But she says she's fine with it. She's used to it. We'll see. Yeah. That's the thing I'm, I'm skeptical I feel the same. Of. I'm feel, not sure that's going to be skeptical. Yeah. So it's like when Haren, who's one of our instructors, yeah. You know, he moved down to Carlsbad, and it's like, oh, I'm going to drive five days yeah. a week. And Sandy and I said, you know, I said, she was like, what? When he first emailed me and told yeah. me, hey, we're moving to Carlsbad, but I still want to, you know, commute and teach math academy. I, I was, we were both just like, yeah, well, we'll give you about six weeks. <laughs> and sure enough, it was like beginning mid October, I get the email saying, you know, I don't, I'll finish the year out, but I can't. I can't do it. Yeah. It's just it's just too much. Well, I mean, I I would feel the same way. I'm very I'm very skeptical about it. There's a, the, the there's a very thing, high correlation between commute time and misery. The only <laughs> thing is is she's done it for a she's done it for many, you know, past. for a lot of years in the past. But so, not so, to this yeah, maybe. degree. I mean, yeah. it's going to be like twice as much as that. I mean, it does feel like going to a, the other thing is there's this sort of mental shift 
like it's a different world. It's it's like you're going from LA, which is just one kind of vibe all flat, but then going up into the mountains, those tiny roads, it really feels like you've gone into another country, you know? Yeah. So that's like sort of, there's a mental load that I think comes with that as well. So do you guys have any of this? Like, let's just see how this goes for the year. Oh yeah. It's not sure. like, well, we're doing it no matter what. Burn the ships. No, no, no. We're never coming back. No, it's no, sort of like, no. Our, give us a shot. As a matter of fact, our goal is to um, get rich enough to buy a house back in Pasadena one day, you know. Okay. So we don't want to move out there forever. We want that to be like our holiday home. Ultimately, that's what we want. Um, okay. we've, we've got some great plans to change the house. To, so, so we've got some really good Remodel ideas it? about remodeling, yeah, that I think is going to add some value. Well, th- well, it's going to add value in two ways. It's going to make it a beautiful place to be, and it's probably going to add some, some value onto the, just what it costs. Right. But, so my my our hope is is to not sell it any you know just not sell it. It's right. Just, right. Okay. It's just our vacation home, and and then we'll make enough cash or money somehow to move back to Pasadena and then have that. Yeah. As a I mean, I could see yeah. doing it for a, my prediction. You want to hear my? Prediction? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to hear your prediction. My prediction <laughs> is you're gonna start feeling the pain pretty quickly. Those 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 commutes are just gonna grind. Well, not and then me. You're gonna, but yeah that will then be that you know mom's unhappy yeah everyone's unhappy it's true there's there's going to be a trickle down effect there's a major trickle down effect she comes back she's stressed and frustrated there's an accident it took us three hours to get home so relaxed it's going to be like just beautiful work day and jack is losing it because he's been in the car for three hours and And i'll just be i'll have just spent the day at the hotel in the jacuzzi working relaxed yeah i can say i I could imagine that does seem a bit chalk and cheese-ish water and oil yeah there there could be some potential clashing there yeah well i have to say is you hurry up make some money because i don't see this lasting much more than a year but i i I, I wish you luck godspeed (laughs) um okay um so you had this new intro song well it's just a one-time intro music you just sick of your own music is that what <laughs> so well i i wanted to, uh, there's a little bit of story behind this and i want to talk about it um so i remember one time you told me that you had a dream you hadn't you you, you hadn't seen sandy for three and a half years but all of a sudden you had a big dream about her and you that was when you knew you had to just i knew she was the one she was the one you you had to reach out to her and 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 sort of woo her and and well i was i I was pretty sure i had that she was off the market (laughs) i was like she's a first round draft pick (laughs) she's off the board like i wait i missed my chance but my but but you know i woke up this dream and i was just like just random dreams just just happened it was a random it was just this random crazy dream that you know i won't i won't repeat here i guess but yeah it, it was uh, it definitely changed the course of my life okay so so with that in mind on for the better on <laughs> on, on new year's eve i had a dream and um the dream was it was like a fitful dream and it was that song that i played in the intro Howard Jones. that i haven't heard since the 80s and it was just i was fitfully dreaming that song again like and fe- again it was like and a again. fever dream it's like a fever dream all night that song wow and i woke up in the morning and i played it and i listened to it and i thought about those lyrics and you know it's basically um 
think, you know, see both sides, bend your brain, throw off your mental chains. And it just really, that, that was the, the intro to this decade for me. And okay. I, I just felt like, okay, this is, I really need to think about that. What does that mean for me? Yeah. And what does it mean? And, and well, the first thing, the, the first thing it means, I think is, um, so we, we have been, uh, I would say since I've met you, I've, I was a magical thinker originally. Mm -hmm. And then over the last 10 years, I've gradually become less and less of a magical thinker to the point where there's zero magic left. Oh, you know, I don't know about that. There's but no okay, magic okay, in my okay. thinking. You're right? feeling constrained. There's, there's no magic okay, in my thinking. Okay. So what it made me think is, you know, I mean, this is just the first thing that it made me think, but it was, I, I really feel like this is, you know, I'm 50, moving moving out to the mountains i've really got to rethink how i think about <laughs> you gotta be the, the, everything yeah the grumpy so, old recluse in the mountains <laughs> so the so the first thing that i think i thought was you you know um i think i need to bring some magical thinking back like i think this dream this the way that this has happened and also reminded about you and your dream like there's there's no scientific uh basis for these dreams these are just these are just a thing that happened to us, but kind of really means something. And you should listen to something, you know, there, there's occasions where you should listen to something that could be classed as magical thinking, um, where there's sort of no evidence and it's just sort of intuition well, and gut based. Well, I think that um, I'm not a big believer in say the interpretation of dreams, mm -hmm. but I think that sometimes your subconscious, 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 subconscious. Subcon your subconscious. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get it right, people. But okay, so, you know, your subconscious sub will subconscious attempt to communicate with your conscience via dreams, right? Mm. And I felt like my dream about Sandy—that was the case. I felt it was like it was my subconscious yeah. say, "Look, you're being an idiot. You know who <laughs> she is. Yeah. Now go get her." And I literally almost remember it was, it wasn't just like the dream showed me that I almost feel like those words were really spoken practically. Like it was that clear. Don't you're screwing around. You're wasting your time. You know who, you know who the girl is. Now go get her. And it was, it, it, it's sort of like, otherwise, how do you really tap into your, what your subconscious thinks? So that's what I, that's sort of how I felt about that. Well, I, and, and sometimes your subconscious might know a little more about, what needs to happen in your conscience? Well, I right? think I think this was my subconscious saying to me, "Don't be an idiot. You're 50. It's time to let go of chasing respect and wealth." And it just I think that overnight my priorities reshuffled themselves and what used to be number 1 was earn the respect of 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 people. <laughs> you right, know, right. like get 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 some wealth as a byproduct of that. And then I, you know, health and 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 sort of family was was lower on the list. Mm -hmm. And I think that what happened is, I just that's a mental chain that's been with me, probably because of being bullied as a kid. Yeah. And um, I think that things have reconfigured themselves now in a good way. And like all of a sudden, I I don't care about that anywhere near as much. Like I'm now what's moved to the top is health and family and just it's been a sort of I don't know just been. I think that's what the mental chains are, you know. Yeah, you know, well, you know. I, well, first of all, I think, um, you know, chasing after respect and wealth, 
are are are, are things that are, are, are in a lot of ways. It's really about respect for you. I think wealth is just another proxy for respect. If I earn the wealth and I get the respect, people listen to me right. or whatever it is. Um, but whenever your your own fulfillment, your own self worth is wrapped up into what other people think of you, mm-hmm. it's like you can, it's 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 almost an unachievable goal. You can never get there, yeah. right? And um, I think trying to limit external validation is generally a good thing and focus more on the things you can control, like the time you spend and the time and quality you spend with your with your family and yeah. pursuing the interests that you enjoy, that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, I think it's all great. And I think, it's, I think it's really good that you're cognizant of that, you know, that you're aware enough of that. But sometimes it does take like a dream yeah. to sort of give you a boot in the ass to do what you need to do, right? And yeah. that was certainly the case with me when I was, I don't know what, 27 or something or 20, when, you know, when I was sitting here in Pasadena and, you know, had gotten out of a, a, a dysfunctional relationship with a, just a, you know, a girl was practically insane, you know, and then my brain was like, what, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know? Yeah. And, um, it's just been, you know. but for me, like my whole life, it's been one thing after the other. Like the first thing was, okay, to try and get famous, be a famous rock star, you know, mm-hmm. and then, then they'll, there'll be validation and that will make you whole, you know? And then the next thing was, oh, build, you know, try and do a startup and then that'll make you whole. And then it was like in sort of the micro space, you know, try and be a thought leader and that'll yeah. make you whole. It's just like just continuing this, this, this sort of background story or pattern that's been continuing and i think that is the been the chains and so now i just want to live for for jack and for my wife and for my health and just to have a beautiful time for what you enjoy a beautiful time in the forest and to have a, a tesla cyber truck <laughs> <laughs> that will bring that's true happiness thing. and you know what i don't care that that's that's People are going to probably laugh at that. I mean, I, imag- I can imagine that we're out in in the mountains. The the mountain people, they don't look like they'd be into cyber trucks. Hey, what are you driving there, <laughs> they, boy? We that's don't like- exactly what I think is going to happen. But I don't care. I'm just well, that's, that's like yeah, I, yeah. That's <laughs> look, man. Whatever makes you happy, right? Right. right. Um, and well, I think that's good. You know, I mean, I, I um. Yeah, another dream I remember that was really impactful for me was when I was a freshman in college. And I remember at that time I was hung up on this one girl for a while. And it had kind of it would be created a lot of, you know, uh, frustration for me. And, um, and I remember I went to this one library on campus, which had this... It's, you know, it's this big Gothic library and with all these stained glass windows. And it's this amazing place to study. But they also had this kind of all these, this area where we called the romper room, which all these <laughs> cushions and stuff. So you could lie down on the floor and read, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So if you were on campus and, and wanted to take a quick nap, that was the place to do it. And um, I remember one day I went over there and took a nap. I went over to the library. It was like, uh, like four o'clock or something. And took a nap and it was one of these like power naps it was like three hours long <laughs> you know <laughs> and um i would wake up and and and, and the g- dream was i had was about some other girl this imaginary girl mm-hmm. right which and i think about it kind of resembles sandy but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> like, coincidentally but 
because I had never met her at that time, right? Mm. But it, the, but my subconscious was like basically showing me it's like Jason, there are other fish in the sea. It's not worth you know getting yourself hung up on this one girl if it's not going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, and I was really struggling for months. You know, it was one of those kind of relationships where you're kind of together, it's kind of happening, it's kind of not. You know, and you have butterflies in your stomach all the time. And you're just you know frustrated and confused. And I woke up and I felt all better. I didn't care anymore. It was incredible. And, but it was like my subconscious, it was like the, my brain was helping me heal. Mm-hmm. And it knew better than I did. And it needed to show me. It's, it was almost like it walked, it was like, you know, a Christmas carol, kind of the ghost of Christmas, yeah, kind of like right, walked right. you through. <laughs> and it's like, I want, Jason, I want you to feel what it's like to be in fall in love with, a, with another girl, just for a few minutes. You know, or whatever. It's going to feel like months or whatever. But when you come out of it, you're, you know, this out of the simulation, you're going to be, you're going to feel completely different about things. And it was exactly that. I felt completely different. I completely free of the whole thing. It was amazing. So it's happened to me at least a couple times. And yeah. obviously, the dream I had about Sandy was completely life changing because it changed the entire direction of my life, entire course mm-hmm. of my life. I mean, I, you know. <laughs> not only call her, but eventually a few months later, I moved uh, back to Chicago. In fact, we moved the whole company back in Chicago, largely because of her, you know, because she was in Chicago and I was in Pasadena. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the dreams, I think sometimes the subconscious, your subconscious can, subconscious. can send a An important message, message. A, almost a message yeah. to yeah. your conscience, conscious brain about yeah. what 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 you should do or what needs to happen. Well, I don't think that, for example, I'm going to go like, I don't think I'm going to swing. You're not moving to Chicago? I'm not going to swing <laughs> swing back to the other side of the spectrum. Like, So it's something that we've said, or that I've said a lot, is truth lies in the middle. And I think this is just even more validation that, you know, you just need to, you need to be open to all possibilities um, and to all sides of things, you know. Bend your brain. Um, look like... Well, see, I think you see can both be, sides. Well, I think you like you know magical thinking in terms of you can you can be intuitive about things. You can you you maybe this way you feel a certain way about something. You may not necessarily you know break it down to a series of logical steps, but you know I think at the same time you don't want to throw out your rational well, thought well, process. Let me tell you of, where I will never use magical thinking. Okay, investing. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should just I not will invest, never period. Do I think... I mean, basically, uh, investing has not worked for me in any way. What has worked for me is investing in myself, you know, basically creating value through doing stuff and building stuff. Right. But just putting money into some other thing and hoping that that makes me money has never worked out. Well, I want you to let me know because I'm going to use this as a, as a, as a contra <laughs> signal. Whenever you go long, I'm going short. That's well, my... Although I will say... My new strategy. As a, you know, with a house, it's worked out for me a couple of times, two times, in fact, buying a house, you know, because you... Well, because they've pretty much only gone up. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they've gone up, the houses. I mean... Well, I mean, it's no, like, no matter what you did. No, but yeah. there are, there's places where you could buy houses where they didn't go up, uh, you know, like that's well, that's possible. In London. Yeah. But probably yeah. chalk that up to luck. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's let's luck. chalk that up to luck. Okay, you're generally in a... And this probably... Uh, real estate has been an extended bull market. It's for, probably bad that that happened because that gave me the confidence to, to like invest in something else, you know. Well, that um, <laughs> that is usually a bad thing when people... 
have success out of the gate on something. Yeah. You know, they start they start attribute they have an attribution bias and they start attributing it to skill and talent as opposed to just luck. There's a there's a couple of guys when I first moved over to America I was contracting. Mm-hmm. Um just building stuff for people. And there was a couple of guys who'd been successful offline and then they wanted to build these big, you know, empires online. Mm-hmm. And it completely didn't work out for them because it's just such a different concept. But yeah. they had so much belief in their own success. They were like, We can I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna be successful. You know, I, I, I have um, this one startup that I advise. I'm always reminding, I'm always telling the founder this. It's like, look, you know, is he will get advice from all of these successful business people who really don't know anything about what he's doing. They've had a business, they've had success in a completely different area. And I said, here's the thing with people who've been successful. They think they know everything about everything Mm -hmm. they think they're just and i said i would just take everything they say with a grain of salt um just because they made millions of dollars in the you know real estate or recording or entertain whatever i don't care it most of those lessons probably don't apply there'll be a few basic ones that will but just don't but they're gonna they're going to sit down with you and they're gonna say well you should do this you should do that i you know just smile and nod and say thank you (laughs) whatever that's interesting but just be careful because they're they're going to be they're so confident themselves they're going to make you think that they know something they really don't. and it's so context specific to their journey. That's one of the one of the things I really like about Justin Jackson. Um, so I've mentioned Justin Jackson in the before. previous show. Yeah, yeah. So um, what you know, he ha- he has a few different blog posts about this. It's just like it's context specific. Even to himself, he's like, you know what, some success that I had five years ago was completely re- you know related to to everything that was going on for me at that time. So it's really, really difficult for one person to say, I'm going to teach you how to be successful, you know, in any way. Yeah. yeah. I think it's serious. I, so so when I've heard, whenever I'm telling this story, I'll say, okay, here's what I know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. These other things I think might be true, but I don't know. You know, that's, this is not my, this is not my area of expertise. Um, because I, I know that there's, you know, my experience is limited. You know, I do know some things, but there's so, I said, the rest is like, we'll just have to figure it out. You know, I want to tell you something that's on my conscience, that's been on my conscience for a few years. Um, you introduced me to some guys who, um, uh, who you met at the gym, uh, Giacomo, was it? Yeah, uh, Giacomo. So, he was, so, I hired Giacomo. He was a, he is a PhD in electrical engineering, works at JPL. Yeah. And I hired him to tutor me. And like and electronics, yeah, for a few months. That's how I get to know him. And then he and his buddy started up a, like a on-demand, like an on-demand car, car washing, washing thing. Kind of. So, so idea. something that's that's been on my mind since that time for a few years, and mm. I every time I think about it, I kind of cringe. Mm. Um, in the first meeting that I had with those guys, they were their plan was to um, take uh, like to hire individual people. And each person had like a wash kit and they would then go to go to the person's house. Yeah. And I said, that doesn't make sense. What you what you should do is get drivers to take cars to the to the wash so that you don't have to do all the kit. Yeah. yeah. And, and I I was, you know, I guess I was quite convincing really about confident. that. Okay. I was convincing about that, and that's what they what they, they did. did. Now I don't know if they still do that or whatever. But what I do know is, is that there's some kind of mobile wash startup now that I see on signs everywhere and they've done over a million washes 
and they do it the other way. <laughs> and I'm like, oh God, I, I really hope that I did not with that one single thing. like Tank their startup? Tank their startup, yeah. Okay, well, here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. You will, there, f- funny thing, there's a sort of, there's sort of the saying, which I think is funny, and there is stuff with some truth to it, is like, if you present an idea to somebody who's experienced and intelligent in the industry and they don't like it, that's probably a good sign. It's a good idea. <laughs> you know, I mean, basically, there are lots of very intelligent technologists and technology investors, VCs, who have blown off what turned out to be massively successful ideas. Like Airbnb, I mean, Paul Graham had written multiple emails, I think it was to, um, what's the guy at Union Square Ventures, and to Andreessen, and they and just couldn't get them to meet with these Now, guys. are you trying to make me feel better? I'm trying to make <laughs> you feel better. Because this isn't making well, me feel is, better. What I'm just saying is that, is that um, I, 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 you, people are wrong. I mean, it's hard to always see, it's hard well, to see how, what's really right. Let me just put it this way. I don't, since then, I don't give that kind of conviction about you know, I don't try and argue my my case to the same extent that I used to. Like, so, like about a business idea, about, yeah, about anything. Like, I don't. I you, you, have you ever heard that saying: "The older you get, the less you know." You yeah. know, I really believe that. Well, like, it's not the older; it's like the more you know, the less. The more you, the, I think, the more you know, the more the, you learn, the less, less confident that you confident know anything. You yeah, or, I don't something know, like that. Something like that. So yeah, so when I'm talking to people now, like I'm super careful because I I've realized that. You know, something you say can have a huge impact on someone's life. You right. Know? Right. Um, now, I, you know, it, they may have failed either way. It could have just been about them and their execution. I don't even know if they failed. Well, here's here's the, here's you know? the reality, right? <sighs> sort of entrepreneurs ultimately have to figure things out for themselves. Right. Exactly. Okay. It's their resp- yeah. And um, you know, it's it's ultimately they can take your advice or not. It's yeah. not your response. You don't. I mean, you can make a good argument for something, they have to, they make the decision. But really, they they have to try things out. If that's not working, I mean, you could give them a, a, a great argument mm-hmm. and they can say, oh, you know, Justin makes a lot of sense, they do this. And then they go after a couple months and go, you know, this is just too expensive. Yeah, this they, isn't working. They got to try yeah, something else. Yeah. If they're really trying to make this work, it's true. They'll, should, figure, they'll figure things out. Because the, if it doesn't work, they will see that it's not working because they're executing. It's that they need to work with their rate of learning. But that advice that I gave them, by the way, it's like, it didn't, the good, the reason why I said that is because it kind of doesn't cost them anything. You know, mm-hmm. there's no cost to them. They don't have to go and buy stuff. They don't have to get, create a whole bunch of inventory. They can just test it out. So hopefully they were good entrepreneurs who tested it out, found out they didn't work, realized the other way was better and went and did that. But who knows? One quick thing. What was it? What was the name of, uh, that's the 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 startup. Um, you remember, like um, driver. Yeah, drive or something. I, yeah, you know I remember. No, I can't remember. Okay. Yeah, but um, but so once so, okay. So kind of can we do something different. Can yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's move on. So last last time we recorded a show, when I was <laughs> when I walked out the door, in my head I knew one hundred percent that the next day I was going to get a call from you and that you were going to say, hey, man, I don't think I'm going to use Speak. I'm going to build this for myself. And I just knew that you were going to do that. I knew because A, because that's exactly what I would have done. Mm-hmm. And B, because you knew that I didn't really have the time to support you. And C, because Speak 
was just over engineered for what you needed. Like you, yours, what you needed could be done in a much simpler way. So I just knew that that call was coming. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was one of those <laughs> things. I that's why I always tell startups to be wary about collaborating with other startups. <laughs> <laughs> I went through this one time when I did um, the uh, Prezo, which is the web PowerPoint thing back oh, in yeah. the you know two thousand four five time period. Um, there was a consortium of other of startups doing like a word processor and other aspects of the of the office suite and we were going to combine together and create like an open protocol so that it would be like a compelling online alternative to google office and this is before there was a google docs office suite right and the the it was really really difficult because everybody's just trying to get their individual you know thing to work Right, and then, you know, and it's like trying to like jump through these hoops. Or like, okay, you know, like I don't know, it was accounts. Like, okay, you have this account, or I have this, you know, and their accounts registered with us. Like this open ID kind of thing before there was open ID and and sharing data back and forth. It's like you just didn't you didn't have the bandwidth to deal with it. And I've seen that in a number of cases where you have startups who are all like, hey, we should work together and stuff. Yeah, it's like they just don't have the. Bandwidth I just to think do it's it. you, you and me. Basically, we suffer. We suffer, not suffer. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's a bad thing, but we both have this thing. Like, we can basically both do anything on the web. That's mm-hmm. that's the basic fact. And when you start tinkering around with something, and you see, hey, well, I could just do this. I could just do this, and I could get it working this quick. It's like it's just impossible to consider doing anything else, especially after you've started tinkering. And even when we were, you know, you we were texting back and forward about it, and I sent you some sample code, and you're like, dude, that's the exact code that I've got. Right, I'm like, yeah. yeah. I was like, of course, you know. Right, 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 right. Like, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. He did. It was very, very similar to the like you. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's like the essential like twenty lines of code. I'm like, yeah, I got that. Yeah. I, I That's right. It's just well, like, you know, because you know when you're trying to figure out how to do audio on the web, and you start, you know, researching the web audio API and stuff like that, you read. We probably end up with a lot of the same articles, right? You know, you read a lot of the same articles. Exactly, you get to you're say, at the same Stack Overflow we to, posts. We know how to Google the same way. You know, you, you start yeah. coming around, you try things, and you start going down the different rabbit holes, and you figure out figure the same stuff out. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and so, and so, so you're, but what you needed, I don't know if you're continuing with it, but what you needed yeah. at the time was basically to have a slide with some audio, and you yeah. didn't need to move the mouse around or do anything like that. No. So, Speak yeah. was specifically engineered with this idea of. Um, you record audio and then you have interpolated frames that tracks the mouse movement and syncs, yeah, it's a syncs the mouse movement. It's a different completely different problem. Yours is playing a sequence of audio clips and changing the slides in time and with then, the audio clips. And then yeah. what? You're going to go and exactly. change all your stuff for <laughs> exactly. me? Like just to that be like no a sense. friend? I mean, <laughs> that's no something sense. you would agree to at the moment, thinking, oh, yeah, knock it out in yeah. three or four hours. And you realize it's like three or four no. weeks to get something usable. What, what Speak really did was gave you the sort of inspiration to sort of think outside the box and go, wait, let's not do videos. Let's just, you know, let's just do this audio and, and plug plug this in. Well, I, I wasn't, it did give me the inspiration. I, I I just thought about, then I thought, how do I do, I mean, is that hard to do? And I was like, I know someone who solved that. Yeah. So then, but it did, sh- it did give me, I later to feel like, okay, it's definitely doable because Justin's doing but it. But I didn't really solve that, as you just pointed out. It's a different issue. It's different. a different problem. I mean, you, yeah. you, what, what, it, what you, what you would, so, okay, what I thought was, wouldn't it be cool if, like, the page itself was sort of animating? 
-hmm. right? So it's not like a video that's tacked onto a page. The page itself is changing. Equations are appearing and yeah. moving around or whatever. Um, and you had audio over that. And then I thought, you know, the key, one of the key, that's, that would be cool, but one of the real benefits to doing this sort of, this approach as opposed to recording audio is that we could have the um, the sort of uh, the animation studio, the page that you, the authoring tool built into the site so that you can make quick adjustments. You can say, oh, we need to increase a slide, change a slide here. I want to adjust the wording here. And each one of those takes 30 seconds or a couple minutes and everything is done. Because every audio, because it's it's because you've got separate audio clips for each part of the yeah the timeline. So yeah. you, had, you might have, you know, 20, 30, 40 audio clips. So did you do any... Clips. Did you work on it? Yeah. Did, yeah I have did, it's working? Not completely. I, I didn't get as much done over the holidays as I want. I basically have done nothing in the last two weeks. <laughs> That'll be Christmas. <laughs> That's Christmas. Yeah. Well, I always thought, I always feel like, oh, I'll have some downtime. But it was yeah. just like, again, mammoth. Then we have the Christmas. Then you have Christmas. You're not going to do anything on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, really, right? You're doing family stuff. Having too much fun. Well, yeah, you know, Living just family life. stuff, you know, yeah. and then and then Phil's in town. <laughs> cool. Oh, well, Phil's in town. So and then, it's, then it's New Year's. It's another holiday, yeah. right? And yeah. You can't be like working away during New Year's, right? Yeah. All right. And then it's uh, then the New Year's Day. We literally drive to Vegas to visit Sandy's parents and we got back. Like, Always, so, yeah. So it's like, I didn't really have any time. Now, I could have probably said, well, I'm just going to work a few hours on New Year's Eve morning and stuff. But what I've, what, and that's actually one thing I want to talk a little bit about is, I've kind of learned for me that if I try and work, force work in situations where you're not supposed to work, I end up burning myself out. Mm -hmm. It's like two things. I burn myself out and, you know, it's the kind of thing where you're kind of pushing the limits with the wife. It's like, you're working. It's like, it's a holiday. Stop. Like, funny my wife says the same thing to me <laughs> yeah right well, i know you have to you're like nodding right yeah. and i'm sure like we have a lot of listeners going, yeah 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 i know so it but but also i i've, I've sort of just said you know what i'm going to do is when i take days off i'm like i'm going to really lean into it i'm not going to do anything and i'm in fact i'm going to do so little that i'm going to it's going to be like a wine it's not a recovery period but it's like a wind up where it's like then you just shoot out like a cannon because you're like man i haven't done anything like sometimes i'll do this like on a saturday or sunday i will literally sit around and watch like four or five hours of bad tv anyway by by, by doing that by like by like almost creating the situation where i have like self-loathing and i've done so little <laughs> it makes me three times as productive so if 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 i get up on a saturday morning and then just start cranking away as if it was a normal work day you know so that that actually you know, I can do that, and I feel pretty good sometimes. But if I do that for two days, I feel really burned out, especially come around Monday. I didn't get any, I didn't, I didn't get any break. Um, so yeah, I just lean in hard some days, and I'll just like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna have like a do nothing day. I usually will, t I usually won't take a whole weekend off. I usually do get some work done, but I will take a period where I'll just say, you know what, I'm just gonna indulge in the laziest crap. Like I was watching like stuff like, you know, you know what's like was it investigation discovery, like cults, you know, or just like, you know, or like, a, you know, just like the kind of dumb reality TV stuff. Um, and you just like, I know this is garbage. It's like eating junk food. So it's like when I, when I would take up a cheat day and by eating junk food on my cheat day, 
I get sick of it, and then I'm fine with eating healthy for the other six days. Yeah. Anyway, so um, yeah, that, that's a long way of saying I didn't get any crap done. I mean, I've always felt that. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I've always felt the same way about going on vacation. So when I go on vacation, I'm like, Georgie can't believe it. I just don't even open the computer. I don't even look at the phone. Yeah. I just absolutely zero Disconnect. digital, zero digital for like two weeks. And she's like, who's this guy? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. She's like, don't you have something to do? <laughs> yeah. I've, I've found that I, um, I, I, I usually come back and I'm more productive over time if I, if I do that. I, mm-hmm. I, it's something I had to take a, it took me a long time to learn. Mm-hmm. But, um, Anyway, in terms of the animation, audio stuff, I will say this. Um, the, the hardest part, there were a lot of thing gotchas that mm. were really painful. And it was also the kind of thing, like if you found the right page, the right library early enough, it would have been so painful. But sometimes you just miss it mm. and you do some other stuff and other stuff doesn't, the stuff doesn't work right or the strategies people are suggesting are actually wrong. You know, like people were trying to like... Um, Take recorded data and and do like a JSON stringify and upload it using a post or something as opposed to which turns out to be much not only incorrect <laughs> but but just much um, less efficient. What you want to do is, is use the um, the form, it's the data form object, and create a multi-part. What's it called? A, a multi-part type post, mm-hmm. and you can push binary data anyway. Like. I was reading like, you know, it was a bunch of people who had just done stuff that was just wrong. It didn't. Mm-hmm. It was not the way to do it. And if you actually tried to do it, it didn't even work right. So, so your main problems were like saving the data to the server. Did you have any problems about like uh, uh, getting it to play back in time and again a good good? So the format? things the things that were hard most frustrating was first you know first there's a big learning the web audio web the web audio API sucks. Yeah. It is overly complex. It's it's unclear what problem they've been trying to solve. It's very strangely specified. It's very, very I thought weird. maybe it was just because I was being lazy and I'm not much of an audio guy. I don't know much about audio. Maybe I'm just like, God, maybe there's a huge learning curve here. Why is this? There's so many like objects. This is just a big hierarchy of things and mm. it's audio context and the audio blob and the this and the that. And you're just like, what the hell is all this stuff? Well, the, uh, I'll, I'll tell you because I've gone deeper into it, I think, than you Well, have. one thing I'll just say before you say yeah. is then I read an article where a guy who was like an audio guy was like, who designed this? Yeah, <laughs> what is this for? And I was like, right, right. So I'm not the only one. But a, but a big part of it is, so for example, on, on the speak playback, mm-hmm. one of the things that it does is it has this sort of glowing thing around the guy's, uh, around whoever's speaking's okay. face. And the way that it does that is because of audio context and passing it through filters and being mm-hmm. able to analyze the sound. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the complexity with the whole thing because mm-hmm. they wanted to create this scenario where you could basically pass sound through different filters and different places right, and do right. signal processing and all that kind of stuff. That's why you know. But I, I think what a better uh, uh, the APIs are the best are ones where like simple things are simple and hard things are possible. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But the web audio API, simple things are not simple. <laughs> yeah, I know. They, it should just be record. You know, and then you get like you can like, get MP3 or Wave or yeah, whatever. Right. But it was hard even to get a Wave file out. It yeah, was saving it yeah. some kind of form. Like what, what audio format is this even in? Well, so WebM or Web whatever, some weird. Well, that totally depends on the browser. So, right. so you you if 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 your solution relies on WAV or whatever, you you're going to just have to use the browser you used mm-hmm. because it 
in other browsers, it's going to be different. Well, yeah, it was like one, it was like this Og Vorbis, and the other yeah, one was like, oh, so, but what I did use, I eventually came across a library that I could use that did part of it for me, which was it would convert it into an MP3. Right. Because nice. here's the thing is, if if you're recording, um, let's say a 10-minute animation, which is kind of an average length for us, and that's a WAV file. Oh, it's huge. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. And um, we're, we're WAV tends to be about 10 times larger than the corresponding MP3, mm-hmm. give or take. So, but, but an order of magnitude larger. And I'm like, that's that. I want it to be an MP3, um, not only because they don't want to, because when we play it back, we want it to be MP3. We don't be pulling down WAV. No, files. no, no, no. Yeah, that'd be crazy, crazy, crazy. Right. And so, but you might as well upload it in MP3. Right? Why push to make the server do that? If you're doing the conversion in the first place, yeah, that makes but sense. But that in the whole, they have this thing called Lame JS, which was based <laughs> on the Lame thing. Guys, the web, web, web <laughs> Asm was it? They use this all this compiler stuff to take all this stuff that's written in C and compile. I mean, it's really complicated. To, and and none of the examples, none of this project stuff worked. I was like, none of this stuff doesn't work. And I yeah. eventually found something that that worked. So I think you know. And the other part was then. So it was like getting it out a WAV file to start with and then be able to convert it to an MP3 on the browser and then be able to get it up and save it on the server. I couldn't get the stuff to the server and, and save because all the different solutions, oh, just do this, or didn't work. We were just mm-hmm. like, what the hell am I doing? And so I had to, I had to learn. I mean, I had to learn about a lot of different things to get everything to work. So it was, it was those things you thought you could get done in like two or three funny, hours um, and it took, instead it took two or three days. The one that you said, you'd, so you didn't use the post... Um, so I did a, I did a, a solution that's a combination of what you what you described. So I am actually posting um, not raw binary data. I'm sort of like turning it into hex or whatever, and then sort of posting it every ten seconds. So like I I'm not. So you're using post. You're I'm, not. I'm not recording a whole. I'm, I'm not doing the whole thing. I'm just doing it. So it, it it's, but yeah I. I, so you're posting JSON data. No, so I'm you not do posting a, JSON data. Application JSON. What are you posting? No, it I'm, as? I'm posting um, bin hex, like basically base sixty four. Base sixty four. Base sixty four. But and I'm using the 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 form the the, the multi part thing. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just one at a time, like like ten seconds. That's worth. fine. Yeah, that's, and, that's and what then, I'm doing. And then it's collecting it at the back end and then recombining it into the file. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So that's very, very yeah. similar to what I'm doing. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. What other people would do is. When I was telling that was wrong, they were not using the multi-part, the multi-part form because the multi-part form uh, correctly handles binary blob data, yeah, which is what a, an audio file is. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they were doing is they took the audio and then they did like a JSON stringify and they would just send it as JSON data. Like okay, it that's, was, it that's was like what strange. the hell? That's very and strange. then of course. It just didn't work, and it was it was like some guy had like played around and like didn't ever test it out and say, "Hey, here it is, write a little tutorial." Oh, and so, like, so maybe the only difference is is you're sending binary data and you've you've worked out how to recombine it, or maybe you're just sending the whole file in one go. Well, think about this. So for me, an yeah. animation consists yeah. of n slides. Each slide ha- is a static like this is what the screen should look like. Yeah. And it has an audio file that plays. It's like 10 seconds, 20 seconds. Something like that. I mean, in, in fact, yeah. it's probably more like one sentence. So you're doing, you're just posting that one full file at a time. Yeah. So here's one thing that's really interesting about yeah. it. And I haven't fully decided how to do yeah. it. Is 
Um, because what I am worried about is, okay, so you're on like, this is like a, an authoring tool where you're just like add, add slide, add slide, drag, move them around order. Okay. Record for this slide, record for the slide, change the markup on this slide. You know, it's just kind of an authoring tool, but when you save it, it's, uh, that would basically update because each one is a record in it. It's called animation. Let's call it uh, animation slide right. is the record in the database. So, and, and he has like an, 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 an order from one to whatever. And you would just, you know, push those up and it would say, okay, what needs to change and blah, 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 update the database. The question is, I need to save, I need to save stuff to the database in some kind of temporary format in case something happens. Because mm -hmm. yeah. like, look, what, what, what if Justice said they're recording this stuff, he spends an hour and a half on it and all of a sudden loses all the data? Well, all, that would be all really the session goes, you right. know? So if right. the session goes, then, then the data doesn't get stored. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so what I'm thinking about doing, I was like, well, should I use local storage and then just store it like that and just say, okay, well, when they hit save, then it'll just, you know, I don't know, check local storage in case there's anything in there. Or, or should I just, whenever they finish recording a clip, it automatically pushes up to the server and tags it as like a temporary file. There's like, there's like an MD5 name. And then just does some kind of a makes some tag as temporary. I mean, what do you? What do that, you that's what exactly what I do. So basically, as soon as they there's a stop, then I go, okay, I'm going to upload this in small chunks. Yeah. And I do, and I I I, I pre-create the chunks like from that audio, and I sort of basically do like a sort of checksum, you know, send first chunk, send second chunk, send third chunk, and just keep on doing them. So every so th so each connection to the server is kind of small. Um, and if there's some interruption, then I can just sort of pick up where I left off. So it's a little bit like a synchronization system. Yeah, right, right, you know? right. Um, so, so that if, let's say, for example, they go offline, it's going to just sort of keep on trying until it comes back online again. Then it's going to push the next but batch. But it's only one thing at a time. It's like, the worst it's like, case, they lose one little piece. The, the model in my mind is, is like a queue system. I'm just thinking job queue, you know? Yeah. Job queue, send a little piece of data. Job queue, send a little piece of data. How do you save it on the data. server? Uh, just, just, just... How do you keep track of it as like a... Each one has its ID. Each each chunk has its ID. So already in the JavaScript, it's like determined what all the and you're just serving it in, a, in like a file system. You're not serving storing audio files in a database, right? Uh, no. Well, I te temporarily I store them um, in the database. I think as a blob, just text because it's base sixty four. You serve as base sixty four. Why yeah. not? Why not as a blob? Well, because because in my case, it could be they could have been recording it for like ten minutes. It could be huge, and so I don't want to just sort of go. I wanted to just do this one big ten-minute file, so that's why I'm just sort of dealing with small small bits of the oh, file. Okay, so why why do you um? Because so everything I read about every time I go on the web and I think, should I store these images in the database? Should I store these audio files in the database? As opposed to having everything's a database except for like images and audio which are in a separate file system, which I then have to back up. I have to zip up and stuff. Uh, yeah, sorry. No, I do not record that store them in the database. I store them on S3. So it's just it's just confusing because I've it, there's a lot. So no, I store them on S3. and But even, even when they're coming through in their multiple parts, I just store them on S3 as text parts. So what it does is it just goes ahead and creates this, un, this uncombined file of a sequence of text parts on yeah. S3. And then... I have a, another job in the background that just goes ahead and recombines those files. Right. Um, what do you use, like to, FFmpeg or whatever that 
thing is called FF? Uh, no, no, because because it's already a, it's, it's, a, it's already audio. It's audio that that JavaScript is converting to base sixty four, so text. So are you append them as string? You do like a string append? I'm doing strings. I'm sending. I'm basically. Uh, I think I might be. That works. Yeah, I think I might be because I because basically it's. You know what I'm doing? I'm basically doing the equivalent of an email attachment, an attachment to an email. Okay. You sort of using job queues to sort of like send okay. it and recombine it to keep it simple. But the 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 and these are MPEG. You convert to MPEG, MP3. I'm sorry. I do. I do I'm not MPEG. Do you, do you convert to MP3? I can't on remember. The I think I send everything through as in the same way, and I it might be MP3. I can't remember. I've forgotten to be honest. But here's the question. So whatever browser, because I it, it mine works on Internet Explorer and Firefox and Chrome, and it says the same thing to the server, and and it sort of always understands how to reconstitute it as an MP3. I, I thought. I mean, I did a little bit of reading on this, but I did not. I'm by no means an expert on it. But um, oh, this isn't boring for the audience. Well, I, <laughs> I just have to fast forward. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the the thing is that when you append a series of like these data files, like you can't just append them like because they have headers and stuff like that that are supposed to be at the front of the file. So if you have like the second segment is another complete MP3 file, even if it's 10 seconds, it's still its own MP3 with its own headers. But if you just append the strings, it's like these headers are like in middle of the data file, right? Like, I'm not sure you can do that. No, so mm -hmm. the, so the, the data file in the JavaScript format is a stream. So that stream you can seek in chunks. You can sort of, you know, you start off at, at, at the zero at the zero file pointer part of the stream. Okay. And it's binary data. So I, 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 I determine how big my buffer size is every time I loop around the, the the binary raw data and i just take that piece of binary raw data and i convert it into base 64 text and then i send i basically queue those up in sequences send them to the server the server then stores all those text files uh -huh. so that they can be reconstituted at any time and it just waits for them all to get there and then it reconstitutes them and turns them into a binary file and that might be a wav if that's internet explorer and it might be an MP3 if it's Chrome, but ultimately what it does, the job at the, that end is whatever file it arrives in, it then converts it to an MP3. I'd then, love to see like the little bit of the code seg segments that do this, just so I could see <laughs> what's happening. Cause that seems really like hard to believe. I'm just hard to, I'm, I'm surprised that that works. I don't know. I mean, look, th this Well, I mean, I, does, does, does email file attachment work? It's the same principle. Well, it's the exact same principle as email file attachment. It's just that I don't need the whole boundary concept. Basically, imagine you had an, e you've seen how email bin binaries attachments are encoded. Well, I'm not it's worried a, about the attachment part. What I'm worried 64. about is combining multiple MP3s as like, as like as if there's one file like this beginning of the you know well, I'm not combining multiple MP3s I'm just it's only ever one file for me oh that's the difference for you so my I only ever have to deal with one file oh I see because you're just sending up the next okay because basically they they I I haven't built a system that has multiple audio files it's only ever one audio file oh, per okay. speak I get it I yeah. get it I get it I get it so it's just like one email attachment. Okay. That's it. Okay. Well, anyway, the funny thing while I was doing this, I was doing a lot of this um, right around the beginning of the holidays, and uh, and I was I was playing with it, and I was sort of like, you know, you were just like wading through it, and you're like, because I don't know anything about audio, 
And I'm like, what the hell are channels? You know, like, right. what the hell are, and I was like, what does this mean? Like, what does, it was all these acronyms and stuff. And so I'm like kind of all over Google and Wikipedia and I'm trying to read about all this stuff. And I finally get to the point where like, okay, I kind of get it. I kind of get what's going on here. And then what I did learn, it was, just, it was vastly more complex. <laughs> it's like, wow, the encoding for an MP3 files and stuff. These are really yeah. complicated. Yeah, it's very complicated. Yeah. It isn't like something you're just gonna, you know, you're gonna look at the file form and go, oh, okay, I see how this works. Because I was actually getting the point, like I wanted to dissect the file format. So when I'm like, figure out what the hell is going on when <laughs> oh I'm sending gosh. this, like when I'm sending this stuff to the server and it won't play and the and the QuickTime, when I try and send it back to the client and I hit QuickTime, QuickTime is a, like, an undefined yeah. error. I'm like, what? Like what's wrong with the file yeah. format? Yeah. Anyway. Complex. But, I have to say it is fun to to <laughs> to try and do this thing that you think like this is yeah. this is crazy, you know. But um, I so, do have something related that I want to talk about. Well, too. no, but quickly, what I want to find out about is because you we were talking about um, that you know audio quality, yeah. And I was trying to push you to go for audio quality, so yeah. I've, I sent you a few different options. You're a big, you're a big I fan sent- of compress. You got to compress due to a comp- what's it called a compression. You run through well, a compression, I, not I, like a, 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 a So you wanted to, so so you're recording the audio directly into the browser and you want to store it on the server and you didn't want to do post-processing. So you wanted to do, because you, you're not going to open it up in an audio editor and post-process nope. and no, put it through. No, Right. So, so one solution I gave you was like, you know, a thousand dollar solution using various different bits of hardware where your mic goes through this hardware and basically gives you a beautiful end product, mm-hmm. but that was a bit too expensive for you, and I and I get it. And then I gave you, I showed well, you. Dude, it was like an entire rack. It was like a, <laughs> it was like it was like a one U rack mount audio problem. Like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm not doing. Well, that this. would have been the like the the sort of the because you know how you were talking about in the last show. You were saying like, you know, how can I do? I don't want to give someone a one X experience. I don't want to give them a two X experience. I want to give them a ten X experience. Okay, 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 what okay, is okay. what is like? I take them to the moon. Okay, so I okay. was like, okay, 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 this is. And I take you to the moon experience okay. for the audience. But there is a thing, because here's a thing, too. <laughs> okay, that I, 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 I get where you're coming from. <laughs> but it was funny, because Justin and I, Justin Skysick, not not you, Justin Skysick and I were looking, and we were trying to look at the, listen to the difference between some of these mics and stuff, and we're listening super closely. I'm like, I can't tell a difference. Can you? And I'm like, <laughs> Justin might. I'm, but Justin is an audiophile. I mean, he's an audio nerd. It's one of those things where you get someone who's a super nerd on something I'm like, wow, it's not actually blah, blah, blah. No other mortal can tell the difference, yeah. you know? And I, I'm like, okay, we can get to this level where it's only the audiophile can say, well, you know, if you blah, 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 you know, it's nobody yeah. cares. It's, but I'm at the point where you, you listen to it and it goes, yeah, that sounds like really high quality audio, you know? Well, as long as it sounds loud enough, that's my main fear. Is is that you need to run it through what's called compressor. You need well, you basically just need to find master it. So master and mastering it is compressing the sound and then moving it closer to the 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 loudest it can be. Yeah, and it seemed like, but that's just an algorithm, right? You don't need hardware to do that. You just take the signal. You well, you that know, it's is kind of a mathematical operation. It's just a mathematical. Um, operation on this as signal. long as you've got good source that's not a problem and so so um did you tr- did you ever try Ophonic? i told you to try i did we we didn't see a huge different well so that we end up using that um blue, blue yeti, yeti mic yeah, which is like a hundred and ten dollar 120 dollar mic with a um what's it called the uh a windshield a windshield it's not a witch it's another word for it pop like a, it's, uh, pop it is shield, pop it shield. is called a windshield pop but shield. Oh, pop, pop shield, shield is another another way of calling it and yeah. it was amazing Mm-hmm. Video, the audio sounded amazing. 
So we're like, okay, we are most of the way there with yeah. this. And it was relatively simple. There was no other hardware. You just plugged in the USB and then yeah. So it's got it's got it's basically that's what's nice about it. It's got everything built. It's got the the preamp. It's what's called the preamp. So basically, yeah. you've got your basic mic uh, or level, and then um, that needs to be amplified somehow. Right. So what so. I want to do is my next one of the next steps is to maybe have like a uh, run it through like a compressor algorithm to do that. Mm -hmm. Whether I use Auphonic or you know we just yeah. Use. I mean. But it's it's not just a compressor algorithm. Like there's a couple of other things. We have some noise reduction yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. I was listening to some of it. And I really wasn't sure I could tell the difference. And so so, like, so it didn't it didn't raise it. It didn't. Did, uh, I haven't gotten there. We'll we'll have to. They've we, probably got a, a setting that's called normalize. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's really what you. I think that's the main thing that you need to do at this point. If you've is run it through some compression and then normalize it so that it's kind of. Near the near the the audio. So, floor. so people understand. We're saying we're talking about signal compression, not data compression. Right. Well, because when when you when people are watching your things, you want it to be. You don't want them to have to crank the volume up on their computer. No. You want it to just be a good volume, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So that's it. Yeah. Well, if you can do that, I think you. I think you. That's great. You're going to be better than any of the other. You know, Khan Academy or whatever. Yeah. Well, and you know, I don't think. I don't think many people will look at Khan Academy and go, you know what, the audio just isn't good enough. You know what I mean? That's like, true. That is not a problem. <laughs> well, it, <laughs> it well, isn't even the top. You know, I, I just don't think. Well, it I, I googled it, Khan Academy audio, and I did get someone, a couple of people, complaining about it. Like, did oh, really? dude, why is it so quiet? Is that right? Yeah. Why is it so quiet? Why is the audio all over the place? Oh my god, I flipped from one video to the next, and like all of a sudden, it's booming through my speakers, and it was so quiet on the other one. Okay. That's exactly my point, you know. Well, that's that's okay. It surprises me a little bit, but maybe people have different, I guess, different experiences with it. I mean, I'm not a big Khan Academy yeah. user. I've just I've watched a few videos here and there, and I was like, oh, they have good good audio. That's the only thing. Only well, I, I thought what you already did with the Blue Yeti was sounding great. So oh, did you? Did I send you a file? Yeah, or? it was good. It's great. So are there were there any things that you really want to talk about this show? Well, I know we weren't we were to do predictions. Oh, predictions, yes. But I have something before we get to that. Let's so get back, check my notes. So the, the, just, just kind of related to this whole building an animation yeah. authoring tool and just trying to build something that's really, really cool. I, was, I, I saw this video. It was, it was called The Struggle of the Original iPhone. And it was talking about, you know, like now we think of the iPhone as coming out of Apple like fully formed. Right, it's like yeah. this beautiful, elegant technology that was just, you know, it just uh, changed the concept of what a phone could be and what a hand <laughs> computer could merged all these things. But what was really interesting about this video, which I'll which I'll link to, and is that they really didn't know how to go about doing something like that. There was there was something like, I guess they were worried that. They were playing some. I they could play MP3s on some of these phones, some of the you know the, the original flip, you know, flip phones or whatever, and they were starting to worry that that might compete with the uh, iPod. Like, why would you get an iPod if you could play some MP3 songs because, on your phones? Oh you, yeah, because they were making bank from iPods. That was it, right? Right. Yeah. Or uh, yeah, from yeah, right iPods, and so. Um, so then I think Steve Jobs or whoever was like, oh, we need to. We need to maybe do something like that. And they were really they were going to 
kind of work with Motorola. They had something called like the Rocker phone or something. Because mm. remember they had the Razor. Remember the Razor, the Motorola Razor phone, which was really cool back so in the day. So they didn't even have the idea for the iPhone. Not the idea came from com- the. It's competing with the iPod, which has been our most successful product that we've ever made, and we don't want to lose that revenue. Basically, so yeah. let's just. So to explore phones and cross between iPods. So they created two different um, groups to compete with each other. (laughs) One was taking the iPod and putting phone functionality and some maybe some internet functionality in it. (laughs) Okay. The other was taking a a handheld computer, kind of like a Newton type of thing, like, like a small kind of thing like that. And trying to bring it down. Initially, it had like a BlackBerry mm. kind of, you know, keypad on. Then they're like, okay, we're going to scratch that. Yeah. But they couldn't get like the typing to work very well. Like it just sucked. And they had like five, di- and they had they put like five different. They had five different people working independently on this touchscreen typing to make yeah. something work. And it was just one guy ended up making it work because he did like sort of like, okay, well. If you type a T, then there's a really good chance an H would be next. So the the, the circle around when you where the H area would be much bigger, where the things that are not don't tend to follow an a, a T are smaller. It's gonna look it. ahead. We use a dictionary yeah. and all this kind of stuff and the autocomplete stuff. So this one guy had kind of built. So it's just about like what it's like predicting what the hot areas were. The, exactly. Well, yeah. here's this is the high. This is these are the more likely words. This is more likely letters to follow. So let's 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 increase the hit the, hit, yeah, the yeah. hit range or whatever you call it um around that letter area where that was shown anyway and they were going back and forth and it was like tony fidel was the guy who was leading ipod and he was sort of the guy who innovated the ipod mm. and by the way he came out of uh, a company called general magic have you heard of general magic yes i have i have okay there's a great movie on. Yeah, yeah. you watched the movie on. I, I on haven't seen it, Amazon? but I, no, I think I watched like half of it. But yeah, the documentary. I, yeah. I recommend people watch the General Magic. So it was like it was trying to create the iPhone back in the mid '90s, <laughs> but it was just way ahead of its time. Yeah. the technology was not there, and but a lot of the people at General Magic went on to be really oh huge, uh, huge yeah. hit players either at Apple or Google or. You know other other places, and Tony Fidel was one. He was like the intern. He was like the kid. He was the guy who took six months for them of of haranguing the HR to finally give them a, a job there. <laughs> and anyway, so he he comes on to Apple and is has has a, a important role in, in terms of the creation of the iPod and everything like that. But anyway, so they had the iPhone and the iPod, and they're competing against each other. Or was it called the iPhone? It was just a different like a screen. Anyway, the i the the more the the non iPod the sort of the one that was like a full touch screen kind of thing is yeah. what wins yeah but even back then it wasn't very good and like I said the typing was a problem until I figured that out but also it wasn't a glass screen until like a month before it was released or even initially even like yeah even until a month before it was actually released it was plastic still huh. which is wow. more like the iPod right yeah, it had yeah. like a plastic surface so that's that really nice glass tactile glass experience that, that that wasn't there anyway Crazy. but what yeah. it showed it and then in the initial version not only did it have things like cut and paste which you remember it only i think until like the app store came out which is like the third version or something there was no app store there were yeah. 15 apps yeah it was it was just yeah nothing it was, it was just, really 
kind of like. Did you get the iPhone one? I, no. Oh, dude, well, of I course didn't... I did. I mean, I, I loved it. Yeah. Well, of course you did. Yeah. But I got the 3S was the first one I got. But it seems so, um, that, that first one seems so modern at the time. But like it was like absolutely cutting edge, right? But but when I because because I I came from the um, the Palm, they did a phone, you know, yeah, part, Palm the, Pilot. But but it, but they did another phone that oh, wasn't. It, wasn't it, a, but it was it it was it a wasn't phone. just a PIM, a personal information manager. It was actually a phone. It was a phone, yeah. And it was like that was cool. But then the iPhone came out. That was so much cooler. But it was still very round and blobby. When you, know, when you actually look at it now compared to what it was, it just looked like a weird blobby cloud or something. It was really strange. But I thought it was very cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, you know, so, so a couple of things that were interesting about this. First of all, it just shows you how messy the product development process is. Yeah. It's not a straight shot from like no. idea to this fully baked, elegant piece of software. And the thing that we look at the iPhone now, these iPhone 10s and 11s that are like, full it's like an infinity screen covers the whole thing and just i mean well those first came out in what like 2006 2000 when did the first five i was it's 2000 maybe 2007 six. yeah or something like that 2007 yeah i mean it's what 2019 right like the phones now i mean you look at the the ui on the old ones they look like kind of oh crappy. my god really bad yeah yeah but um anyway i think it it just shows you how much iteration there takes and how messy it is and how people don't really know what it is they're building. They're still trying to figure out how to make it work yeah. as even make it like, oh, there's something here maybe, but I mean, Steve was, Steve Jobs was not impressed with the original stuff. He thought, now oh, this is crap. You know, <laughs> like he really thought, this is crap, this is crap, unusable. People kept going back to the drawing board. And of course they were working there. They, he, he would give them time, like a time limit. Like you have, you have to have this in two weeks or you have to have this in two months and like they were talking about all the marriages that ended because uh, people were just like living at apple and it was like this just nightmare thing um but the other thing was really interesting is the amount of technology they actually bought they didn't innovate itunes they bought itunes they didn't innovate the touch screen all that stuff they bought the starter that did the touch screen yeah they didn't um buy, i mean if you looked at i, I can't I, I you go down there was a whole list they came out with but like all of the cool technologies that made up the iPhone, the processors were done by Samsung. But everything was somewhere else. Isn't that what's so remarkable about Tesla? Like and Elon Musk. Like they 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 basically they always try and buy something, but they always think it's shit. And then they go, No, I'm we're gonna make that. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. And they just basically do everything. You know, almost everything. That's funny. Yeah, well the um I'd be interesting to find out how much you know, I don't, I don't mean, see, I don't mean that, you know, they did, it's, it's like, does, does Tesla um, buy the companies or, or do they, or do they say, well, this, this, I'm not saying they're not licensing the technology. Okay. Oh, they, okay they, so they, Tesla, Tesla, buy, like, so if you look at the Model 3, the Model S, uh -huh. I believe that that is mainly made out of stuff that they bought. They, they, they can, buy parts from other people. They do buy parts from other people. But then if you look at the Model 3, I think that that has a lot of parts where they built, they, they kind of do it. They make, they make them themselves. They sort of say, okay, we can improve on this. We can make this better. Now, right. it's a good point that they're not really innovating in the, you know, like it's still the same. What you're saying is 
we're just buying this thing. They're buying even yeah. so we're Apple, buying innovation. The Apple for the most part would buy entire companies. Yeah. We don't have the multi-touch stuff, we're buying that company. We don't have an iTunes thing, we're buying that company. We don't have this, we're buying that company. As opposed to where with Samsung, they said, all right, we're not gonna buy Samsung, but they're gonna say, Hey, we want this processor. And they were yeah. kind of really vague yeah. about what it was, but then they um you know, Samsung made the made the original processors. From, <laughs> I don't know, you know, maybe they st they still do or whatever. But um, it was really interesting to think because you think of like Apple and these companies as being so innovative and stuff. It's like, yeah, they pull everything together, yeah, and they make stuff really pretty. They're good chefs, and, and they 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 kind of do a little marketing stuff. But the real innovation happened in startups, yeah, small yeah. companies, yeah. And I was talking to. Um, a really good friend of mine. He's one of my best friends growing up, and uh, he he runs a, um, I guess like a what's called a family office in uh, Hong Kong. He has like they manage money for very high net worth individuals, and he was talking about how you know they compete with you know four high net individuals against firms that have many many billions of dollars, and he's like you know I go up and I meet with these people talking to me, and he's like they're all mostly just they just parrot what other people say. They don't really do a lot of the hard thinking, the you know about you know why we're investing in this area, what we're doing, and what we're going to do if this happens. And he's like, he's like, it's really surprising. And I said, you know, I've 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 I learned that a long time ago. Um, I found, I remember when our my first startup with Phil, and we were selling to a lot of these big companies, like you know these big banks and stuff. It was like, the bigger the company, it was like the dumber the people. <laughs> and I don't mean that they were. They were inherently dumb. It's just they were so, um, their scope of their responsibility was so limited. Myopic, yeah. They just didn't really understand the big picture and they yeah. really weren't doing a whole lot. And um, I was like, you know, you're, you're not really competing against Google. You're not really competing. You're competing against a team of people. And it really comes down to like one or two really smart people. Mm -hmm. They're the real people. You're, you, it's still kind of a fair fight. As it, yeah. you know, and it's like I'll compete against them, you know, things yeah. like that. I mean, I mean, oh, of course, it's not just about building something cool; it's about the marketing, no, distribution, it's an and stuff. Fight. It's an unfair fight because Google are at a disadvantage. Like, if you're if you're not Google and you're competing against some smart person in Google, they still have all these strings to pull to make anything happen. Well, that's why <laughs> that's why when Google Docs started from, they bought they didn't build yeah. Docs; they bought Rightly. I mean, Nitbox. They didn't. They didn't build um, uh, the the present the slideshow. They bought Zenter. They didn't buy the spreadsheet. The, I mean, they didn't build the spreadsheet. They bought. They bought all of it. Dude, they didn't build their their monetization. Like yeah. that was Bill Gross who built yeah, that. Yeah, like yeah, they they yeah. bought in the ad platform. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's double, what's really double click, right? Which interesting is they is it it's so much. It's like. You know, people think in the in the oh, well, you know, these, these innovative tech companies and they're creating the future. It's like it's the startups that create the true innovation because they're not they're not hampered by the bureaucracy um, that these other companies are. And but but what they do has they have the money and they could recognize oh, we can pull these pieces together. We can buy this company for hundred million, yeah. this company for twenty million, and, and and pull it all and put it in one place, which doesn't take. Is but they still do come up with some stuff like Gmail, for example. Like you know, Gmail was something, and yeah. Paul, but it was basically Paul Buhait and like one or two people were helping him. And it but was it's funny, Slack is a counterexample where they where they the way that that happened was um, they sort of had this idea, and then they they hired it out to a design agency, 
who basically crafted this entire sort of thing, this finished, polished product, uh-huh. which they then sort of built. And then that was the beginning of, that was where that whole thing came from. Wait, so it's wait, like, wait, who built what? The design agency did what? Uh, the, all the UI basically. They that, did the UI, and then what? The it, UI what and the user this? experience. So, I'm, but I think I think they were a design agency. If I understand, if I remember correctly, they actually did the. They actually built Slack. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So they basically just marketed it. I mean, they took it on and extended it, but the core innovation, I think, design was done. I, I, by I th- a, so look, I, I don't want to get in trouble for for you know. Re, being oh, well, a this is on record, buddy. But I, but I think isn't it? It's Stuart Butterfield, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that this is my impression of it. He ran um, a, a, like an agency that built stuff for people like websites and stuff and did design and things like that. And that that Slack itself was this, you know, reimagining of um, HipChat, but they did it from soup to nuts, like all of the screens, the mm. onboarding, the okay, whole... Okay, no, 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 no. Okay, so Stuart Butterfield, first of all, he was... He, he came out of Flickr. He was part of the original crew that built Flickr, okay. right, the photo sharing site. And Flickr was something that actually came out of, a, of, a, of an online game they were building, okay. Okay? <laughs> which people weren't really playing, but they said they were, and was it working? So they, they ended up pivoting and saying, well, maybe what do we have here? Well, people are share, like sharing these photos in the game, so let's just do that. That became Flickr, big success. In a relatively short period of time, they end up selling it to Yahoo. Okay. okay. Goes on later. They start this other game company. I think it was called like Never Ending Story or Never Ending Game or something like that. Again, put all this money and time into it, it's not working. Then they decide the one tool they had built internally was Slack. And they decided to pivot. And so, so he gives this big thing, they lay off a bunch of people, um, and he literally cr- breaks down and cries in front of all of these people. You know, it's announced we're laying off people, but they, hold, they keep a small number of them on, like a handful of people, and they build... They say, well, what is one thing we have? Like, well, we use this one internal tool called, we call Slack or whatever they called it at the time. And let's see if we can make something out of this. But you know, as you and I have talked before, Slack as a concept was not new. Not only did it you know, something- So, so at that but, stage, I think is with the part that I'm talking about. Okay. I think before they went to market, they hired, hired an agency a, a design to, agency to design and polish it from top to bottom, all which, the journeys. Which would not um, be surprising at all. And so then the yeah. bit, the major market release was this fully baked thing. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't um, like the iPhone sort of gradual progression that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It was like this, ta-da, this is Slack. Right. And it worked so well. And it, that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying is the sort of... Yeah, but, you know, it's like, look, you, Justin Vincent, by yourself, working with uh, a good designer could have built Slack with those technologies four or five, six years ago, right? Mm. I mean, it's not like they its not like they had to create all of this advanced technology. HipChat had been around for years and essentially just HipChat. It's true. Like the level of technology required to build a Slack versus an iPhone it's is like not even, is incomparable. You no, know, I mean, it, there was nothing. I mean, what they did is they did a really nice, they built a nice UI, but there are literally tens of thousands of web developers who could have built that. I, I think everyone talks about the, the Slack UI. I think the reason why Slack was successful was the onboarding. Because it was it, it the onboarding is just so ridiculously simple and that you just get in and you all of a sudden you're talking. Like yeah. so I think that is why it actually worked. That's yeah. why my mom's on Slack. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's hilarious. Like if my mom's on chat was HipChat a hard onboarding process? It it just wasn't it just wasn't right for my mom. I mean, there's no way. Well, it's that, not like you tried to get her on HipChat. I mean, I but just no, but I'm that, ju- I'm just saying like I just think that 
the, the, the surface area of people who hit Slack went through this experience that was just so seamless and easy to be to, to I, I, it, I, I that think, they then shared it with someone else to get in. I'm not saying it isn't easy. I don't think hip, I remember hip chat being simple, super simple. I think it was all just, it just was, it had this, at the time it was, um, it had this cool fad factor. You think that's what it yeah, was? Oh yeah. I think well I think they went out and, I think they went out and did a lot of marketing themselves. They really were they used their network and they had a lot of connections in the Silicon Valley and they were going from company to company and trying to get people using it. I've I've done a couple of interviews about this over yeah. the years. And that all certainly happened. They definitely did a marketing push. But then like when uh, Mark Andreessen was like posting growth charts about it on his Twitter, <laughs> that's when it blew up. That's when it blew up. And and then it's like, oh, what's this cool new thing? And then it just hit an inflection point and everybody's getting it because everybody else is doing it because everybody thinks it's cool. I guess, so you could say in that way that Slack, if you look at the technology adoption curve, that Slack was in fact, it was like the laggards. So Slack's taking off. It's it like- way behind, it's, was it's it like Campfire? The like 37 of, Signals Campfire yeah, was, was essentially I, that, but yours, it was not- I don't think campfire is nearly so. It, slick. So it was the opposite of an innovation. It was it was lag lag of lagadvation. <laughs> so yeah. it's like it's like capitalizing on a mock. So we knew that a tiny part of like the tech market really loved this kind of concept. So now let's just turn this concept into the mass market. Well, the laggards who'd had no idea well, that the, the, I the, am working. But that work wasn't even how they thought about it. But that the, but look, <laughs> the mass market isn't something to people started outside of the tech teams to start using until years later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, years later. So it wasn't like they even thought about that. To think, oh, like, my mom is going to be on Slack, it was would have sound absolutely ridiculous. You know? It really would sound <laughs> I mean, stupid. It's like, nobody, nobody at the time thought about it. But what, I think what it talks about, it what shows is that, you know, there was Campfire, 37 Signals had, which is kind of like, was kind of clunky, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, you, it was clunky. And then you had... Um, Hip chat, which was fine. Mm. It wasn't super sexy. It was fine. The UI was pretty clean. It seemed to work. I mean, we used it at Uber. You know, that's how I communicated with everyone for years. Um, it was just like how we use Slack. It's just exactly how you had rooms I, I mean, or the, channels. You had individual stuff. It was it, exactly the same thing. But Skype. I mean, we were using you and I, and many people were just yeah. using Skype for I mean, text. I am hip chat was exactly like that. Right. I mean, it was exactly like, hey, here's the Uber. <laughs> you know, hip chat, like Uber is like, here's a list of all the people, your direct message, here are all the rooms or whatever, yeah, special yeah. channels. It's like it was a total ripoff. Well, it was a complete and absolute and utter ripoff, which, which is fine. You can say compete. It sounds like they patent, you can patent it, but it was nothing special. Well, well hip chat was basically completely ripping off IRC. Well, so, did, so, have, did, did you have individuals in? Uh, I never used IRC. I mean, so I IRC know. is is. I mean, if you go and look at an IRC interface, it's basically just as if you did the mobile version. You know, the the WAP version of Slack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I know we've we've talked about this before, but yeah. I just thought it was completely disingenuous from Stuart yeah. Butterfield did, to not mention HipChat when he <laughs> talks about it. It's like, oh, you you know, it's kind of like IRC. It's like, dude, give me a break. Um, you know? But anyway, yeah. Um, so let's. Uh, well, I've got I've got something to mention. Okay. Um, I, I'm starting a new podcast. You are? Yeah. And are you ending this one or are we done? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not ending this one. So, um, so, uh, Mark, um, who, uh, I can't, I can't remember his surname right now. I should probably get his surname down before I start talking about things, but, um, he's, he's a, a guy who's, you you know, that, you know, Mark, who went back and listened to every texting episode. 
recently. Uh, so someone went back and okay. so, so okay. Mark recently discovered. We've had us. a few people have done yeah. that at different times. So I'm not um, sure. Anyway, so I you know started talking to him, and I think what I want to do is I want to do a podcast. It's not going to be like this at all. It's going to be really. It's going to be like mastermind. It's it's okay. just going to be like very transparent, just masterminding. Maybe once every week, try and just do something to just talk about. Okay, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what I'm going to try and get done by next week. I don't think you'd find it particularly interesting to do because okay. it's it's just very sort of okay. micro. And there's there's been a lot of podcasts like that that have been quite successful. But I'm I'm a bit worried about the name because I've got a brilliant name for it, okay. and I'm I'm worried that you thought of the name somehow, and I've my subconscious is just hey, giving me it? a name that you thought of. But it sounds so Jason. Okay, what is it? Reactor. No, I've never. That, okay, that's a reactor podcast. Yeah, reactor. Okay. Reactor, reactor cool. startup podcast. Yeah, and um, I'll show you the little logo here. Hang on a sec. Well, let's let's keep going. That's not yeah. good radio. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so you said we're going to go through some uh, predictions. Oh, for the coming you want to talk about the prediction stuff? Yeah, let's have some predictions. <clears throat> okay. What What do you think we're going to see in the next ten years? Right, wait, we're wait, kind wait, of closing. Wait, wait. I mean, there's a debate like, is this the end of the decade? Because usually the decade is 2020 would be the end of the decade. But the 2020, usually people think this is like the new, just like 2000s, you know, 2009, 2000. Okay, well, so it, we're it, a new decade. So are you, you said to me that you wanted to talk about predictions before the show. I thought, and, and you sort of gave some like guidelines about how to do that. So what I thought you wanted to do was for, to go through some predictions from other people, not from me. Right. Oh, so, so it what, is I, that, what I thought because I researched a few sites. That's what I thought. That I is, thought was cool. I, what I wanted you to come up with is come up with some predictions. Go read through rather than you coming up with a bunch of predictions. Go read through some predictions that are that that you think are are interesting that you agree with, and we'll see if they're. Well, I looked at so the way that I've got this is I've got three sites that I thought were kind of cool. They had some good good predictions okay. that I want to want to talk to you about. But also, I got a couple of other, you know, my own predictions sure. that okay. I think are kind of cool too. Okay. So, and I think I think the first one is a given. Society over the next decade is going to move ever closer to being vegans. How close? I think so. Ever closer? It's like I think I think that one point five percent to one point nine percent. No, no, but it's or... it's, <coughs> it's not because we we want to be vegan. It's because it's just so much more optimal to eat plant-based stuff. So things like Impossible Burger and all these meat sort of substitute ideas are just it, just use way, way less resources. And um, <clears throat> I can imagine that we will gradually, you know, move towards that, where even if we're not thinking about it, we're just eating plant-based stuff because, you know, for every Impossible Burger, it takes this amount of resources to, you know, to create it. And for every I meat burger, it takes like 100 times more resources to create it. See what I'm saying? I'm not predicting a shift based on ethics. I'm predicting a shift based on um, technology and optimization. If that makes sense. Okay. So, but why do you think most people care about that? I don't think they will care. I think that what's going to happen is it's an underlying, it's like a foundational change. So it's like, the, the, the corporations who, who are like creating beef burgers, for example, mm -hmm. right? When there's a new alternative and people are perfectly happy to eat it and it tastes exactly the same and it's, it's plant-based and it takes 10 times, it's basically 10 times cheaper to make. It's just, it's just a better business for them to be in. Like they're going to move to that business and I think that that will happen across okay. the board. If, if 
it becomes, uh, you know, like I said, you know, like you said, 10 times cheaper. Yeah. Or you don't have to be 10 times cheaper, but substantially cheaper. Um, then you could have some uptake, assuming the quality is comparable. Okay. Yes. Now, here's That's the thing the assumption, is yeah. most people don't really care enough about environmental sustainability to curtail, curtail their own um, habits, their eating habits. Oh, they yeah. just don't. Very, very small. Yeah. A lot of people will say they do, and a lot of people will you know, say, well, we need to have a more sustainable environment, but they're still going to go out and have a hamburger Yeah. at the end of the day. And, yeah. and there are a lot of people who are going to go like, I'm just going to have a hamburger because you're trying to tell me not to have it. No, I think it's just so, going to be... So I'm saying it's like a foundational shift that's sort of happening from underneath rather than this sort of motivational ethical shift. Yeah, because that stuff doesn't that stuff doesn't that does generally but work. Only a very, very small amount of people buy into that. My prediction is this. In ten years, meat will completely still exist, but it's gonna be like a sort of a speciality. It's gonna be like a sort of subculture, like a like a like a kind of, you know, against the grain subculture. But most people. You will. think majority? So, like, you so yeah. so if you go, let's just say you go to McDonald's, Burger King, yeah, wherever, um, yeah. Chick Fil A, I think it's Kentucky flip. Fried Chicken. There'll be there'll be the meat burger, just one, and everything else. That much in ten years, you think maybe, it's going to go? Ten years is a bit too. But do you, do you think it's going to go? How, what percentage of people at these <clears> places are eating um, the Impossible Burger? Do you have any numbers on that? Oh, he, uh, there's there's a lot of people eating the Impossible Burger, but that, well, I don't mean add a lot of people in absolute number because you could have hundred thousand people, but that's still a drop in the bucket. That could still less than a percent. Well, like, what percentage let, of people? Let me put it what to percentage you. of people when they order a hamburger at Burger King or Impossible Burger? All I know is since the Impossible Burger was introduced to um, Burger King, their profits went up by ten percent. Okay, it could be a blip. It could be people like yeah. wanting to try yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, it's an easy way to go try it. You know, let's have but, but my point. That's not really what I'm saying. I'm just saying it just becomes so cost-effective to create fake meat that, and people don't really care because it tastes delicious. That's just the way society is going to go. Well, like, you know, because you can get turkey burgers at a lot of places which are healthier and are more <laughs> sustainable than, you know, environmentally, you know, than Well, but still, beef. for every turkey burger, like, to, to, to grow up, to grow a turkey and to look after a turkey and all the things yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not, it's not as extreme of a, yeah. uh, a price compression as a price reduction as, say, like a, a, a plant-based burger would be, yeah. I'm saying. Or the lab-grown meat, which is the other one, Yeah, right? lab-grown meat, yeah. So you're predicting majority will be non- Non-farmed, uh, yeah. Non-farmed meat. Yeah, so so basically, I I don't mind if it's lab grown or if it's um like you know synthetic. Okay. So I'm gonna say no. <laughs> um, I think I think more in the thirty to forty year time range. I think what we'll see. I think you're right that it's gonna make an impact. I think what you'll see is instead of going like on the margins, kind of like. Oh, we just experimented with this thing. You know, it's I had one, it's pretty good. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe be like two percent or five percent, you know, that they're doing it. That it'll be like I'll say uh let's just say, let's use fast food. Mm -hmm. Joint I, I would say uh 
30 to 40%. I'd say 30%, maybe a third. And that's in 30 years? 10 years. Oh, in 10 years? Because okay. we're talking about the next decade. Have you tried- Which I think would be substantial. What I'm saying is, I'm with you. Okay. I think you're being, I think you're overly optimistic. Too optimistic about the time. I think you're a little too, but you know, here's the thing. And the reason you're overly yeah. optimistic is because, and this is what all future, this is what most people are predicting is because you want it that way. Because it is in line with what you would like to see happen. You would really hope you're optimistic. You think there's a lot of reason. And you see, I, and a lot of times what, all, what you'll see when you, people's predictions, it's very close in line with how they see the world and they want the world to be. So, well, which is fine. Which is fine. Interest, interesting so you I'm should say that. Interesting mm-hmm. you should say that because it, it isn't what I want to happen. I I don't have like- Come a, on. No, that's that's just for me. For, for me, I want that, but I don't, I don't have that burning desire for society to go that way. But all, what I sort of think about the timeline thing is it's like where bill gates says you know you'd be pe- surprised what how you little can you can do done in a year, year. and how much you exactly. can done in 10 years yeah. i it, i think 10 years is too is too is is too you could be right because when you look at when you think about cars and and the evolution of gas and you know how long it took to get catalytic converters in you know like that was a huge fight like like in in um los angeles and san francisco like you could barely see because <laughs> there was so much like smog in the air. But catalytic, catalytic converters was a thing that was right there that they could put on the cars and all of a sudden it you could solve the, it. solve the problem. And it was really difficult to get that to happen. So, yeah, you could be well, right. Well, here's the thing. You could be right. Think, think about, uh, by, I don't know, by compare, uh, sort of like um, electric cars. Mm-hmm. You know, it would have been an easy thing to say in 2010 at the January 2010, we've not only that, you know, that the, um, the electric cars are going to be a substantial thing. Now, yeah, uh, they've created, yeah. I don't know. I mean, they, they it's, uh, it's a huge, it's very quick, but it's, I mean, it's been slow, say, super slow. It's look, how it's many, like this. It's like, it's like, it's like just as it gets to the end of the hockey stick. It's well, like it's the exponential growth, even yeah. if the exponential growth is slow at first. So, okay. I'm, I'm not articulating myself, and the technology, for, but articulating this very well, but model, the model S, and the Model X and stuff is taken up. You drive around, you drive around California at least, and they're everywhere. Yeah, they're everywhere. But it's still, in comparison to the overall, you know, uh, combustion engine, it's still a oh, fraction. Yeah. It's yeah. still a small tiny, fraction. Tiny, yeah. It just takes a long time. Now, now buying a new car, manufacturing cars, and buying cars is a lot um, slower than saying, "Hey, I'm going to Burger King. Hey, I think I'll just order this other burger." But I think people's um, eating habits are really ingrained and a lot of people are going to be slow to to change those things. It's it's very... Have you tried I, an Impossible Burger? I haven't. Oh, we should do that on the show one time. Yeah. Like yeah. a soil, like we did with the soil. Yeah, light. yeah, we should do <laughs> so that. So anyway, let's, let's move on. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, but I think you're off by a factor. I think maybe in 30 years, you could be like, <clears throat> you know, 10 to 15% of, of what we're traditionally meat-based farm, uh, are, are now farm, what do you farm grown? Is it what you call mm. it, farm grown? You know, certain things like would you want bone in kind of stuff like a turkey for, for you know, like what are you gonna do for a turkey, you know, on, on, on Thanksgiving? Well, to, tofurkey. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> see, now it's not just like a burger, just, it's just ground beef, right? You right. can't tell towards it. Yeah. But, you can't it's going to be really hard to create like the turkey experience oh right? yeah well that but that's what i'm saying so there'll still be a houston's and there'll still be a filet mignon you know right right i'm just saying that like the the 80 20 rule like 
80 percent of 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 meat in, in air quotes. I don't think this is really the 80 20 rule, but, but I get what you're saying. So yeah. you think it's going to go, okay. Um, yeah, but maybe I, not 10 years. I, 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 I think, I no, could, no, no. You, you okay. put your marker down. <laughs> right, you right, can't right. change your bet. Let's move on to the next one. Let's All move right, on next to the one. next one. Okay. So um, I think that the trend of dematerialization over the next 10 years is going to get very, very significant indeed to the point where in 10 years' time, like a channel, it's even getting toys 3D printed is going to be a huge channel to get toys for kids, you know? Like within 10 years, I think that dematerialization is going to be a big deal. There's going to be a lot of 3D printing stuff. I honestly, you're going to have to get more specific because I don't really know what the hell you're talking about. I mean, I know what you're talking about. It's so loosey-goosey. Like what would get, you got to be more specific. Okay. What does that mean? Like right now you walk into shops and, and you buy stuff that was like manufactured somewhere else. In 10 years' time, there's going to be a lot of shops you walk into and you click a button and it just prints it. Yeah, I call bullshit on that one too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I had, to, I had to come up with some good ones that you'd, that you'd, you'd find ridiculous. <laughs> I don't just... You don't have to try. <laughs> I, look, here's the thing. I, I, um, you know, I've been hearing this whole 3D printing thing for quite a long time now. And it's one of those things that's like, well, they're just going to keep getting better and better. And, you know, they still kind of suck. You still, I mean, anytime, you know, I mean, yeah, they have these like, you know, quarter million dollar, you know, 3D printers that can print titanium and stuff that like, you know, um, airplane parts manufacturers might have in their, you know, in their uh, R&D, you know, offices or whatever. But in terms of like having something that can print anything of any utility, uh, any qual- uh, quality is still going to be, it's still a long way off, okay. unfortunately. Have you, have you ever heard of um, Argos? Argos? Shop, Argos uh, store in the UK? No. So th- the way that it works is um, there's a store and you walk in and it's just like a waiting room like this. Mm-hmm. And there's a catalog. Mm-hmm. And the catalog has like a thousand items, mm-hmm. but there's no shop. Okay. Just out the back is a warehouse. So you go to the Argos and you look through the catalog and you just give them the numbers. I want a four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I want a two, three, one, two, three. And you basically wait five minutes and they go into the back and then they bring the things out. So it's a really weird shopping experience. That is what I predict. See, is that there's going to be something like that, but instead of it being a warehouse, it's going to be a really cool machine that can print a whole bunch of different products. Okay. So first of all... <laughs> <laughs> first of all yeah i think most things that are interesting and toys and stuff have are made they're made of lots of different parts and different materials and stuff like that it's not like one kind of material or something which is a lot harder to get right i mean you're yeah. not and, and and second of all well not not all the not all the toys like that that are in target like the toys that my kids use i mean they're all just plastic yeah, well, I, I think that here's the reality. The reality is most people are buying stuff, or, or in more and more, people are buying stuff purely on like Amazon Prime. They don't even go to the damn store. Yeah, that's true. So why the hell would you go there? You would just buy it on the web or on your mobile and phone it's and, it, and, and it gets showed up to your house. But then how do you care how it's made? Exactly. No, but here's the thing. It's generally much more cost efficient to have stuff using what's it called um 
you know, uh, using molding, what's it called, molds and stuff that it is in mass that it is doing. Well, then why? Then why? So then, why would you care? How no, it's but we're but we're already in that place with books. Like so many books are just printed on demand when you order them. Like a well, significant so many amount of books. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And but, so so that proves my point. Well, I I just don't think I don't think 3D printing. I don't think the majority of toys are going to be 3D printed. I still I still think it's a ways off. Did I say majority? Did what I did say, you say? What are you saying? No, I, I'm, I'm saying. Did I, I? Yeah. I'm a bit confused about this prediction. Um, <laughs> You're bad. You can't keep backing off the projections. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> you, you get it. No, but well, what I'm saying is, is that dematerialization is going to be more than just a, a like a fat like more than just a, a niche but that's not really dematerializing it's just it's this just that's just like on-demand materialization <laughs> dematerialization i think would be like reading your book on kindle right mm -hmm. as opposed to buying a physical book i i think that i think that is dematerialization yeah you know or or buying a dvd is materialize materialization versus just having stream so not only is the prediction wrong but even my understanding of what the prediction's about is completely wrong i think you're conflating two different things i mean i i don't know materialization is there's a physical dematerialization there's no there's nothing physical about it anymore other than the fact that never there's it, never anything physical about no, it. no it never becomes you know look the thing that i do keep on saying is one day we're just going to put dirt. No, no, one day, 10 years. We're, we're going to put dirt decade. in machines and we're going to get stuff out and it's going to be anything. And when that does happen, money's going to You'll have be no there. more meaning. <laughs> no, I will not be there. And money will have no meaning and we will turn into a society of artisans. Right, and I've mentioned that to you multiple times. Yeah, which I think is bullshit. <laughs> I was like, so you, it's, like, it's like saying all these people who, who suddenly retire at 65 and become artisans. No, they, they, just start, they just sit around and watch TV and, you know. Not all of them. Come on. A lot of them. They, they might travel, do a little bit of touring. And I'm sure that it's the kids. same percentage as with the rest of the world where like 10% of them are creators and 90% are consumers. It's just, that just continues into your, I think it's into your like retirement. 2% are creators. Oh, same. And only 0.001% are any good. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Let's have a, let's have a little more well-defined prediction this time. Um, okay. This, this is kind of cool. Um, this is from Listverse. Uh -huh. So I'm just, what they do is they predict what's going to happen in uh, 20, 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024, through to 2029. Okay. In 2020, they believe that mind reading machines will enter production. Yeah, like they've, they have this thing where you can like control a drone, you know, using like, you know, there's E... E EKGs or EKGs yeah. or whatever that kind of thing is put on your head. This little, yeah. This, this, yeah and the other thing where, where they did like, um, they put the, the things on your head and they can, they use YouTube videos like machine learning. Let's, let's stick to the decade. This is, this is too. Wait, this that's 2020. This is too fine grained. By 2030. Let's stick to things that have to happen by 2030. Okay. Mass production of self-driving cars. No. By 2030. No. I don't think so. I think I'm I'm I've I've become a skeptic on that. The reason being that um, I'm borderline on this one. I'm not as emphatic about this other ones. The reason being that um, I just think it's it's a harder problem than people think to get all the edge cases. And as soon as it kills somebody, this is our you know critically injures people 
Like, it's just it's just a major problem. I don't know. I I think I think uh, it's going to be a ways. I know everybody thinks that like you know we may have some self driving cars in the minority, just like we have some now. They'll be further along by two thousand another ten years, but it's not happening as soon as people think. And everybody's been like, I mean, this is stuff has been people predicting, you know, five years ago. And where are we? We still don't have. We still don't have them. It's the kind of thing people want. Uh, so I, th- I think by I think by the end of the decade, you'll have self-driving cars in limited limited contexts, kind of like maybe like an airport shuttle mm-hmm. that goes and takes people to the long-term parking and things like that. I don't think people are going to be putting their kid and having their kid drive them to school and soccer practice in a self-driving car. Got it, Grandma. I just don't think it's there. Solar-powered commercial airlines. Mm. Solar-powered commercial airlines. Um, I don't know. Is that well, you t- that's what you think. Are you saying you? you no, I, I know we've moved from what I think to now we're going through. What do you think? The, I I don't think. I actually I would say no. I don't think there's. I mean, I I've, then I, I would, say yes. You say yes. If you say no. no. Okay. I'll be the skeptic as usual. I don't, I don't think that you're going to have, you can, you can get near enough electricity, electrical power that way. I mean, could you have electrical jets? Yes, you definitely can. That's, but that's been a technology that's been available for like 30, 40 years. No, no, no. no that can cover all of the, no. Not, 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 not like a full on passenger jet or anything like that. I mean, Elon, they were asking Elon Musk about that. And he was years ago, I mean, I don't know, it was like six, seven years ago. And he was talking, he was like, well, you know, maybe in another, uh, at the rate of battery improvement, That's like what it's in about. 10 years, we could get something. Um, eh, I would say you have some, you'll have some electric, limited number of electrical power jets, maybe like smaller ones. I mean, you already do. I mean, you have the Lilium. What? Lilium. I've never heard of that. What is that? I, I've I sent you a link to it already. It's like the personal. It's it could carry five people. Okay, so it, this it, is one of these these little. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm talking about like something that actually that's. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at any at any level of scale in the real world. I mean, there's always these cute little prototypes in a flying car. Some little company's working on, or the guy with a bat suit who flies around. You know. But, I mean, you, but like you, you don't think if you not, fill you don't think if you fill the whole bottom of the fuselage. You know, before you get the seats, let's say, <coughs> with batteries, that you couldn't even have like domestic flights. I'm not saying that you couldn't. <coughs> I'm not. I'm just wondering if it would actually be worth worrying about. Right. It would be price. It's like okay, so we have technologies that work. We have jet fuel. We have like you know, technology we're used to using and understanding and maintaining. Um, so what are we going to bring on some, some jets? I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical, definitely not solar powered, but I think you would have electrical jet. You might have some electrical jets, especially like some smaller aircraft. Okay. I've got a, this is a really good one. Okay. The first manned mission to Mars. In 10 years. In 10 years, within 10 years, the first manned mission to Mars. Mm. <laughs> so now you're with me and like this is what i want to see happen right so am i is this something i want to see or is this thing i think is gonna happen i mean you know 
uh, Elon Musk has been saying stuff like, like 2018, they were going to do it. Or 2020, right? If you go back, he was saying, well, I think maybe, right? Well, he says that about self-driving cars as well. He says, you know, by the end, you know, by the end of 2020, there'll be self-driving cars. But I think SpaceX is probably our most likely um, candidate for doing that. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't, I don't see, has I don't to, see NASA SpaceX, is like yeah. borderline incompetent. You know, I mean, they're just like this big bureaucracy. I mean, I, mean, I don't mean the people there are incompetent, but it's just so bureaucratic. I was watching. Yeah, it's. I was the, watching this documentary on it. It was talking about like, like what happened to the space program, and it was talking about how like every a new administration comes in and they revamp what their goals are and they redo everything and it's just like every, like the space shuttle is supposed to be this one thing and then it has to be this other thing and then they it becomes this big everyone has expensive. to mark their territory you know each new boss comes in yeah. and wants to make it his yeah and so it's just like you know that's what i'm saying the whole thing we're talking about like google and apple uh, not being able to innovate i mean that's the same thing with with, with nasa okay so, but answer okay, the question, so answer the question. Answer, answer the question so you know that it's going to be spacex can they do it in 10 years i'm gonna say yes <laughs> i'm gonna be the optimist on this all one. right i okay. think we're just gonna squeak in yeah i think i mean know. musk thinks it's way way sooner than 10 yeah, years that's right that's he what thinks I'm, it's 24 you know i think I think we might get in the next four or five years, we might see some um, sending some stuff out over there, like some satellite stuff that's yeah. going to be land there first, like supplies, like stuff that's going to satellites that are going to, you know, be orbiting that are going to provide communications back to earth that the stuff that you're going to want some infrastructure is going to be sent there first. Right. And then the man, and after having success sending a bunch of infrastructure there, then the first man fight. Well, that'll happen just in a decade. That's my guess. Okay, so this is a two-parter. What do you think? Oh, You're what yes. do I think about that? Yeah. Are you a yes or no? Um, I mean, I'm an optimist. I'm a, I'm a definitely. You're yes on all this? There's, there's, there's just a no. <laughs> in my mind, there's no way that we're not going to be a Mars. Yes on all these. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll so, mark you down for yes. So here's, here's all, one for you. Yes. This is a two-parter. Okay. We will learn how to reverse aging within specific organs is part one and just generally within the human body, part two. We will, we will work out how to reverse aging. Reverse aging. Reverse aging. It's a two-parter. One of them is like within, say, for example, a heart. Mm -hmm. So we'll work out, okay, you know, just for a heart, we know what we need to do to make that heart young again. And then the other one is, we solve it for the whole body. This is Aubrey de Grey territory. You know, George Church. Yeah. Do you read? Very fun. I Aubrey de. Yeah, I I donate to Sens. Do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, my buddy Mitchell's a huge um, uh, fan of all this stuff. I get emails yeah. from him anytime there's a great talk by George Church or somebody. <laughs> I get I get an email about it with a video. Um, <sighs> Reverse aging, not just halt it, reverse it. Well, just focus on just an organ. So some organ, some important organ. So maybe a heart, or maybe a liver, or something. We sort of work. We sort of understand how to actually make that younger again. Make how that could better. you? If you, if you, okay. Here's my question to you: How could you do it in one part of the body, but not the whole? Yeah, everything. Why? Why would it be limited to some body part? Do they have they said anything about that? 
Is there an argument by Church or DeGray, Aubrey de Grey or anybody? Are you just making this up? Um. Well, they they're just saying in their in their prediction right here. They're saying they learn to reverse aging in a human heart, which I thought was odd. So that's why I added heart and you know an organ and then anything. So I'm sort of making that. I'm gonna say no because <clears throat> it still seems really ambitious. Although I would love for it to be true. Yeah. Because I would certainly like to reverse my own. What agent. about twenty years? Yes. Yeah. Well, ah, shoot. You reverse really it? want that to be true in twenty years? I'm like, hold on, man. <laughs> what about thirty years? Yeah, I'm one of those people that want to live to you know five hundred or something. What I don't. About, I want to die at eighty five. Do you think thirty years? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think they're that's going a lot, to. That's a lot I of, think they're going to make substantial progress. They're going to have substantial progress in halting and reversing aging. I mean, that's like thinking about the exponential. You know how exponential technology is. Like thirty years is a long time to have an exponential technology curve. Like, yeah. especially when we're well, already. The question is: Is it exponential though? Well, well, what's exponential? But I mean, but I mean we're it? already. There's things happening that are already sort of like. Okay, that's that's interesting. You know. Like, yeah, but the, it doesn't mean it's stuff. exponential. Like, I don't. I mean, why? Why? What's exponential? What about, about CRISPR? Just focus on CRISPR. Yeah. Like already in human clinical trials, they have re completely eradicated sickle cell anemia. Okay. Right. You know, in in two patients. Okay. So that is huge. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like CRISPR itself, and and it's it's still in its infancy. Like it's come so far so quickly. Yeah, I Imagine think- Imagine 30 I, years of getting I better think, at CRISPR. I think it's more like 20. I don't think they're going to do it in 10 years. I think it's more like 20. Okay. 20 to 30. And believe me, nobody wants to see that happen more than me. <laughs> I wonder what the last- Okay, little... my buddy Mitchell wants to see it happen more than me. But I definitely, I, I'm a big- I'm a big. Uh, my only fear about it is, is that aging, it's, it, is that it's, it's deeper than they think it is. So, you know, they're thinking right now, oh, it's sort of genes and stuff like that. But maybe it's really inside- the RNA type stuff, the stuff that where there's just, it's it's like quantum foam level. You know what I mean? It's like really deep, like not quantum foam, but I'm what I'm trying to explain is yeah. D DNA DNA is like the big building blocks. It's it's like building level. blocks that are much smaller for it to actually work. That's okay. what I'm worried about. All right, so you're, In which you, case it's a hundred years. But, you say, but you're saying yes, 10 years. No, I'm not saying you're, yes. You're a skeptic on mm -hmm. one. Yes, I am skeptic. I think I've infected you. Used no. to be, you were all, you were all like just this, one. this seems really difficult to me. Optimist. Now you're, now you're uh, like any any technology that's based around sticky things, where sticky, it's just like sticky, squidgy like, stuff. I find almost unbelievable. I can't believe that we can master sticky, squidgy stuff. Even I can't understand how surgeons can exist. Like when, when I mean, imagine being a surgeon, right? I mean, have you ever looked at a piece of steak? <laughs> I mean, how would you know? Oh, that's the specific part of the of the steak to cut, you know, right now. Like, it's such a strange, arbitrary concept. I don't really concept. like to mix the idea of surgeons and steak, but... <laughs> it's a, just a really arbitrary concept, okay, you know. So like, cu cutting bit, bits of flesh and doing that as, like, a science is very strange to me. Okay, so we're both a no on that. I think so. The U.S. economy uh -huh. moves into, like, fifth place planet behind who emerging nations in 10 years in 10 years yeah i'm, Give me I'm an absolute no on this one but that's just what they're saying so who like china yeah china and india india yeah that's what they're saying yeah 
India's still I, largely a third world I, country. A lot I of think ways. that that's. I this mean, is, I mean, I can't. I can't get behind this one. No, no, no way. I mean, I think um, China. China is just China will, but not. But but that'll be it. So China. you think we'll be behind China in ten years? I think they'll be probably be neck and neck, but. Um, I would say maybe China overtakes in, in gross domestic product. It, maybe they overtake the U.S. economy in gross domestic product maybe in 10 years. But uh, not. Uh, but certainly not India. Okay, this and is a good one. definitely not. I don't know who else they're talking about. What, Brazil or, you know. This is a good one. What? Jurassic Park for reals. <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Park for reals. Okay, so what they're talking about, like, a, uh, like they're really talking dinosaurs? They're like, well, they, they're, they're just saying resurrecting extinct. So scientists will, will begin to resurrect extinct species. Now, that could be true about, that seems kind of logical about species that went extinct that, you know, within the last 50 years. Well, they years. have to get intact DNA for one. Um, yeah. And I, I'm not sure that, you know, and they do that whole amber, the whole amber thing. They did yeah. Jurassic yeah. Park and all that <laughs> stuff. But, you know, I have read a bunch of stuff about like woolly mammoth. They've actually found, you know, some fairly intact woolly mammoth yeah. carcasses that, that were thawing out like the, in the, um, what's that what's stuff called in the, in the uh, tundra up there? The oh permafrost, yeah, that's what's called. But anyway, um, do I believe that they can? Again, okay. squishy science. Okay, you talking like? <laughs> are you talking like plants count or just animals? Uh, plants, yeah, sure. I would say at a minimal level, like some, they might speak of some some extinct plants, and mm. maybe some kind of um, maybe some insects or smaller animals. But I don't. I mean, as much as I would love to see a woolly mammoth or something. In your much. mind, does it count? Let's say they use CRISPR and let's say they... They, they, they do, they fill in the holes. They with fill like, in the holes with, with CRISPR, yeah, from like a, like a chicken, you know. With I'll a, take that. I'll take that, So sure. you think that could... Yeah, yeah okay. man, because they did a, that's, a, that's what they did Jurassic Park and you sure as hell would say, all right, this counts, right? That's true, that's like true. Frog. In fact, that's why they had the problems in Jurassic Park because it was the, it was the weird interaction. In was the, it the amphibian DNA? The yeah, male, something female, like that. Yeah. Sort of, I don't know. Um, I'm going to say on a minimal level, yes. Okay. I would love to see that too. Yeah. Well, because I, I don't want to be a complete neghead on all this stuff. I'm, I'm going to say that um, we're going to Mars in 10 years and we're going to be bringing back some prehistoric, you know, uh, organisms. I'm going to say no because it's squishy science and I don't... <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, I mean, getting to Mars is just like... Yeah, that's just... Nothing squishy. Normal stuff. Okay, normal um, stuff. It's engineering. That's hard. Oh, this is an interesting thing. I wonder what they mean by it. The global population reaches a crisis point. Yeah, I, that's too... Um, people could say it's re reached a crisis point 30 years ago. I don't know what the hell that means. I mean, look, here's the deal... Um, you know, there are going to be parts of the world where there's not going to be enough food or water um, to support the population. And that, that was the case. It's been the case, you know, for a number of years. It already is like that. 30, yeah. I mean, you know, 30 years ago, there's famines and things like that in parts of Africa and stuff. And, and, and that's just going to, that's just going to continue to happen, especially in the, some of the third world countries. Um, but it doesn't, it's not going to, it's not mean like, so here's a, you know, it's uneven, right? Is there going to be a hit a crisis point in Europe? No. Is it going to hit a crisis point in Japan? No. Is it going to hit a crisis point in the U.S. or Canada? No. 
All right, I've got a few. Will it happen in India? Parts of India or parts of, you know, could it be a problem in some of these places that they have a massive population and they just don't have quite the resources infrastructure to support it? There could be some real problems. Yeah. All right. Moving on from that, because we don't have too much time left. I need to leave in about um, 10. So I'm just going to go through a few quick ones. So one from from Hacker News, um, Ask HN, um, a new decade, any predictions? So I thought the top comment was interesting, and I'm just going to read it and just tell me, like, say say stuff when you you find something interesting. So this was by Ayers, A-I-R-Z. His predictions were no level four or five autonomous cars anywhere in sight within 10 years. So we've already discussed which that. I, which I agree with. No major job losses due to AI. I agree. I think, well, look, here's the thing about AI. There are job losses in the sense that the way it's going to work is that it's not going to be categorized at it because like I can write some code that can help five people to do the job of 20 or 50 or 100 people. That happens now. That's already yeah, been happening. That's already happening, yeah. There's, but and that's going to continue to happen. Anytime a, a company realizes, hey, you know what, we can automate a bunch of this stuff, or we can, you know, they'll do it. It's not necessarily AI. It's not a, 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 you know, would have a um, generalized AI kind of thing. Facebook becomes the old people's social network. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it already kind of has. <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean, I remember talking like five years, five or six years ago, seven years ago. I remember this. I was talking to some guy who was in his early 20s playing back i was at, at the basketball gym i was at 24 fitness playing basketball and after we were done playing we're kind of sitting on the side and kind of shooting the shit and i said bless you a question do you and your friends use facebook and they're like nah man he's like you post stuff and your mom's on there and it's just <laughs> weird and i was like yeah because i was kind of thinking the same thing in fact i think we talked about this like four or five <laughs> or six years ago when really? i remember having the exact same conversation i what? i i referenced that so we were there like we were thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, right? I mean, well, that's why Instagram was such a key acquisition. Yeah. You know, um, for that kind of thing. I mean, it's it's always like when everyone gets on something, it becomes inherently uncool. Yeah. When everybody's doing something, it's not cool anymore. It, and people were constantly trying to set themselves apart. Like, I'm cool. You guys are not. They're the laggards, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, mom and dad are inherently uncool. Going offline becomes the new yoga. Uh <laughs> it's like taking special offline breaks yeah i mean you're, you're always going to get these articles they pop up like i didn't read do social media <laughs> for a month or i didn't use my f- <coughs> i i didn't use my phone for a month or whatever and you keep doing what what i learned you know you have those yeah, things yeah. this article and some writer decides i'm in this big experiment i'm not gonna check <coughs> facebook for three months and what happened <laughs> and it's just kind of like there's always going to be a small subset of people just like people who want to live off the grid or people who say well i don't want to buy anything that i have to throw away and they really take things to the extreme but um i think but a lot of people do yoga i mean there are yoga studios all over pasadena they're all over the place i mean it's still a minority of the people but it's still like it's it's substantial right um, and especially for women, <laughs> you know, a lot of women do yoga. Um, but I don't think, I don't, I don't think I, I just, it's like saying, it's like going off electricity. All right. All right. Let's move to the next one. Cause I got to go real quick. Okay. The, I, th- this was a good, it was just one guy's prediction. Dr. Z. Okay. His prediction 
10-year prediction for medicine. He basically said, we are very good at war surgery and ER rooms. We're very good at that. We've mastered that. We're really good at that. We're very good at infectious diseases and antibiotics. That's what we're really good at medicine. But we pretty much suck at everything else related to medicine, which is 80% of the issues of medicine. And basically he's saying 80% of illness is chronic disease-based stuff like diabetes and you know all the different things that you have like stress and mental issues. So he's saying within 10 years, the future of medicine is going to be relationship-based. The 80% is going to get taken over by being a relationship-based medicine. So deeper relationships between patients and the doctor. It's all about prevention. And it's going to be a major part of the way that the medical system works. So <clears throat> rather than going in for the occasional visit, you'll be friends with your doctor and you'll be regularly slacking with your primary care doctor, that type of thing. That is utter nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said until last. This is total and utter <laughs> nonsense. I mean, it's just—it's just the way the incentive structure works and how people get paid, and none of that stuff is really gonna—I don't think any of that's gonna happen. People don't go to the doctor until they have a problem. Right. That's, right? This is the basic problem with people. <laughs> like, I don't want to go to the doctor, right? Nobody wants to go to the doctor. It's like, it's, I got to go make an appointment. I got to get these tests. They don't want it. The medical system doesn't want to pay for tests unless you need them. Doctors are like, you know, hey, I mean, even I go to my doctor, I'm like, do I, do I need to come in every year? He's like, nah, I don't know. It's going to be like, like a fund. It would have to be a fundamental shift in just the way that people generally thought. See, that's just, that's just like one of these sort of, the way he, what he's talking about is like, one of these sort of like, wouldn't it be wonderful if, oh, it'd be so wonderful if yeah, we didn't maybe, eat, if yeah. nobody ate meat and we were best buddies with, you know, we everybody did yoga every morning and everybody slept for nine hours a night and everybody, yeah, but this is stuff, you know, it's a lot of things that would work great for people and would be better for people individually and better for society, but it doesn't mean there's a real incentive structure to make people do those things or make society change in that way. So anyway, that's that was fun. Yeah, that really was did fun. It. That was fun. Um, all right. So we we done here. You gotta you get a. I've got a rush. I got a rush. I promised that I get home so that uh, G could go out and watch a movie. Got it. Got so it. okay. I gotta get out of here. All right. But um, this has been this has been a fun show and uh, I think a great beginning to this new decade. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That's a wrap. We're out.